0: The Galaxy is Full of Film and this is the Galaxy of Film podcast. Well, welcome back to the brain of Galaxy of Film. I am, your, co- of course, your host, Max. I'm joined with my co-host, Anilo. How have you been for the past two weeks since you decided to abandon us last week?
1: Uh, pretty terrible. Pretty terrible, to be honest with you. But, you know, that's what happens. That's just life. Oh. Yep. This intro's gone nowhere. Uh, you, you know, yeah, it was getting better... You know, because we always said it was pretty bad for, like, a straight year. And then it had a little peak during New York and everything. And then whoosh, right back down, man. <laughs> right back down. It's all right. It's all right. I did sign a lease for an apartment,
0: though. There you go. That's what matters. Um, before we introduce our guest for this week, how would you like The Matrix? How would I like the first one? You only watched the first one, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I really liked that. That was pretty cool. It was weird because, like, there's a lot of, like, science fiction-y stuff or, like time travel stuff i don't really know what to call it because it's you know the matrix but like different techniques and stuff like that they used first that are now in like a bunch of other films now Mm -hmm. you know so i thought that was interesting but that was pretty cool you know i thought the ending was you know ending was obviously the ending uh but yeah i just never got around to two three and then four
0: do you plan on watching at least the other two
1: i want to watch the last one just because it has such mixed reviews dude you have to watch two and three To watch 4? It's completely, you have to watch 2 Okay, because that trailer looks like I don't know what the fuck's going on, but that's probably because I haven't watched 2 and 3.
0: Yeah, dude, I watched 2 and 3 and still didn't know what the fuck was going on.
1: So that's how deep it went into the metaverse of the Matrix.
0: Yeah, bud. But anyways, we aren't alone this week, thank God, thank God. (laughs) Uh, We've got Jake from Mayhem Pictures, how have you been, pal?
2: I've been good. It's good to be back. Just been watching some films and watching shows.
0: What have you been watching lately?
2: Um, I watched uh, Pam and Tommy. Actually, kind of, I like it a lot. Actually, what is it's that? It's like the, it's like the the show with like Sebastian Stan and Seth Rogen and uh, Lily James. It's about like Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee's sex tape getting leaked. It's on Hulu. Pretty okay, good. Okay,
0: I've never heard of that.
2: Yeah, it's it's actually pretty good. It's like very interesting, like to learn the whole story of, mm. of how that all happened. So. I'm I'm
0: I'm liking it. Is it an ongoing series?
2: Yeah, it's every every Wednesday, so okay, I've been sweet. doing Boba Fett and then Pam and Tommy every Wednesday. It's
0: been fun. Sweet, I'll have to check that out maybe because I'm close to finishing. Um, well, you know, we'll get to that soon. Euphoria is about done in a couple weeks, so I might start that afterwards. But uh, glad we got you on this week, Jake. It's Always good to have you on here. Um, joining us again for the third week in I believe we got Alex from Drinking the Movies. How have you been?
3: Doing well, man. Just getting uh, catching up on awards movies mostly.
0: Yep, you've been saying that for a month.
3: <laughs> yep, and I'm still behind. It's amazing.
0: I believe it. I believe it. Whew. Well, this week, guys, we're going to be discussing some good things. We're doing an Ari Aster double feature discussing Hereditary and Midsummer. Um, we're also talking a little bit about the Book of Boba Fett finale that ended today. Um, but first off, we got some news to get into this week. Um, first up, we received a poster a couple hours ago, actually, and a release date for the Kenobi series, which is now titled Obi-Wan Kenobi. The poster, we see Ewan McGregor off in the distance, in the distance, looks like a, you know, starting up sandstorm during the sunset, and, um... We see him holding his lightsaber. You know, it's not ignited, but it's, it, he's holding the hilt. Um, how are we feeling about this, Danilo? How do you, like, the poster, how do you feel about the name change? Uh, I don't care for the name change. That's fine.
1: Uh, I'm excited for it. I'm excited more uh, for Deborah Chow to be uh, back at the director's helm. Uh, these last few directors of The Mandalorian in season two and Boba Fett have just been black. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember... Deborah Chow in the first season of Mandalorian was really, just really sparked my interest in her being the showrunner and director. I think that's going to be really interesting. And is that Obi-Wan's lightsaber, or was that Anakin's?
0: It looked darker. I thought it was either Obi-Wan's or Qui-Gon's, actually.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um
4: But no, I'm excited
1: one. for it. I'm excited for it. I thought the poster would be
0: a bit better, gotta be honest
1: with you. Mm-hmm. Um, because it just seems like something someone made maybe two years ago when the series was announced, but whatever. I know the, we'll get hopefully a better one soon.
0: So The name change bugs me a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm not really here for the Star Wars projects named after the characters. Um, you know, like really? Solo kind of worked because it was just his last name. I thought Kenobi nah, kind of yeah. worked because last name. But the Ahsoka series, I wish was titled something different. Um, the, the Mandalorian. Lord. Well, The Mandalorian works more because it's not like Din Djarin as the title. I want, I want to hear that, buddy.
4: Din Djarin
0: coming to <laughs> Disney+. Plus. Um, the Lando show, which I don't understand why it's not called the Calrissian Chronicles. Um, but yeah, the name, name change is kind of weird, but I think more interesting is, isn't this the first Star Wars Disney plus show where it's labeled a limited series from the get go? Yes. Yes. Cause I mean, I'm hearing rumors. What was, Boba
1: Fett? what was Boba Fett? Well, I don't know how it ended, so I can't speak to it, but was Boba Fett limited?
0: Boba Fett wasn't advertised as limited. Um, Does it end like it's
1: limited?
3: Yes.
0: Or? Okay. I'd say no. Oh, wow. Uh, well,
3: it it's hard to say without spoiling it for you, Danilo. Yeah, it, it's, so don't. No, i gonna I just yes, wonder. It ends like it's a limited series for Boba Fett. Yeah,
0: that was we'll, we'll talk to Nilo, whenever you get a chance to watch it. Um, for our listeners, yeah, we're yeah. doing an LFG in two weeks on the Book of Boba Fett instead, going detail and a very good detail episode by episode. Um, we've got a really special guest star lined up for that, so I'll need an additional week because next week we're probably doing something on the Kanye documentary, I imagine. Which genius! Um, really looking forward to seeing that tomorrow night in theaters. Lucky, uh, Jake. How are you feeling about this Kenobi poster?
2: I like it. I think it looks cool. I, I agree a little bit with Danilo. It does feel a little fan made, but um, but I don't think that's a problem. I don't understand why they're not releasing this on May the fourth, though. Why is this coming out on May twenty fifth when May the fourth is a Wednesday?
0: Because it's the forty tw- fifth anniversary of A New Hope.
2: I know, but I, don't know, I feel like May the fourth is like it's right there. So what? Like I feel like so what are we doing on Star Wars Day now? Watching Moon Knight.
0: I'm cool with that, but. Hmm they might release another, like, documentary, maybe. Like the Boba it's Fett something. thing a couple of weeks ago?
2: Yeah, maybe they'll do a little something for, like, gearing us up for Obi-Wan. That, that could be cool.
0: Yeah, show us some Alec Baldwin footage or something like that. that Not Alec Baldwin. Fun. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> no, Alec <Paul>. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm excited
2: for the show.
0: <laughs> I was ranting with a friend of mine at work about the whole uh, Alec Baldwin... we we're, were talking yeah. about SNL. And I was like, I'm sick of seeing Alec Baldwin Trump skits not every week. And yeah. Maybe some Alec Guinness footage. Not Baldwin. <laughs> Didn't he shoot someone? Like, in the face? Alex, how would you like the, the Kenobi poster?
3: Um, I'm gonna be honest, I don't really care. Deborah Chow did a fine episode on The Mandalorian. I don't I can't tell you which one she directed. But I'm I'm excited for the show purely because it's bringing back Ewan McGregor and Aiden Christensen. Mm-hmm. So I once I see some footage, I'll be able to define my excitement. But for now, it's just kind of like cool. That's fair. But they should be doing it on May the Fourth. I mean, Moon Knight is perfectly set up to finish right before May the Fourth, and uh, yeah. So they they screwed the pooch on that one. Eh
0: each I suppose, but speaking of limited footage that we've seen, or will be seeing soon, we got a very quick teaser for the trailer dropping on the Super Bowl of Jordan Peele's new film, Nope. Danilo, what are your thoughts on this? Are you looking forward to it? I know you enjoyed Us quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I'm absolutely pumped, man. Anything that Jordan Peele has done, I've watched uh, forwards and backwards at least twice. Um, I love all his stuff that he's done. Key and Peele, that weird Keanu kitten movie dude what a what an absolute fuck fuck cluster that was but you know it's still his work i watched his twilight zone stuff this nope thing i'm really looking forward to uh it's one movie it's one series or his his movies are usually like kept tight under wraps so it's Mm -hmm. always a surprise you're always genuinely surprised when you go in the theater i think this is gonna be about aliens and immigration he's tackled a lot of politics recently so i feel like that could be the next thing he tackles just because everyone's looking up
0: Oh, that's, that's interesting. I like
1: that. Yeah, aliens and immigration, so. That'd be cool we'll to say. tackle.
0: That'd be cool.
1: Yeah, because, you know, some people sometimes call me an illegal alien. Alex! Jake, what what are about you, th- you, man? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what are
0: your thoughts, Alex?
1: Oh, that's fine, man. I guess silence my voice because I'm brown.
0: Alex, what'd you think?
3: <laughs> Again, couldn't care less. I'm not the biggest fan of Jordan Peel. I'm not as high on him as the Neo is. I mean, I think, uh, I thought else was fine. I thought Get Out was decent, but it's I'll still support him because Key and Peele will forever be in my heart, and I loved Keanu,
4: mm. so
3: I'll I, I'm still going to go see it no matter what, but I'm just Steven Yoon's in it, so that gets me excited. Who, who are the other people in there? So uh, no, Daniel
1: Kaluuya, oh. Daniel Kaluuya, and Kiki Palmer, I
0: believe. No, not Kiki Palmer. That's true. No, Kiki Palmer. Tayana Paris. Yeah, yeah. Kiki Palmer right? Yeah. I'm glad to see her in something else. We you know, soon.
3: <laughs> that, that trio could be really good together, and Peele's writing is much better than his directing, in my opinion. So, We'll we'll see. Once I see again, once I see some footage, I can get more excited or less excited, whatever. Jake, what about you? What are your thoughts?
2: I'm really looking forward to seeing the trailer. I, I hope it doesn't show too much. Um, I am very excited to see what the hook is because there's always, like, a, you know, something fun with his premises. Um, I really liked Get Out. I really liked Us. I've seen Us, like, a crazy amount of times. I've, I've always, like, loved rewatching that movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, his stuff is really good. And to add to the Alien... Uh, theory. I think, like, there's a lot of, like, cloud imagery going on. There's, like, cloud emojis all over the, the Twitter post, and the poster has, like, the clouds in it. So something's up with the cloud. So I'm, I'm going to be looking for that in the trailer. Um, but, yeah, I'm really excited to check it out. It's it's definitely going to be, like, a hot Super Bowl ad. Um, mm. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Speaking of trailers as well, we did get a new trailer for the new Pixar film Lightyear, and we get a first look at Emperor Zurg. Um, I'm fucking pumped for this movie. It's an oddball one for Pixar for sure because it's not quite a spin off, but it should be a spinoff at, like you know on paper it looks like who fucking knows? I'm pumped for it. What are your thoughts on this, Jake?
2: I think it looks really good. I'm glad they're not like shunting it to Disney plus like they have been with all the other Pixar movies. i'm I'm really hoping this can be like be a theatrical release mm-hmm. um, and and like make a lot of money and do really well. Uh, I really like the I like Chris Evans as Buzz Lightyear, even though it does feel kind of weird not to have Tim Allen voicing this character. Um, but but I'm really excited to see what uh, Pixar's got in store. Um, and I've like been seeing and hearing a lot of like Interstellar vibes with this. I don't know where that's coming from, but like I'm I'm in for it. I, I love Interstellar, so if there's any sort of that stuff going on in this movie, I'm definitely excited. And yeah, Zerg, I'm pumped. Like it's I hope it's like those um. I don't know if you guys ever saw those, like, little animated, like, Star Command movies. Oh, I, feel like I loved hope, it. I hope it's like that. Like, I, I feel like that could be a lot of fun if it's like that.
0: I'd like to see the other people of Star Command. I forget their names. The red guy, the the, the blue woman, and the little robot. Yeah. Would love to see them. We were talking about that when Lightyear was first announced um, early on in the show. That'd be really cool. What about you, Danilo? Are you sold after this trailer?
1: Uh, I could care less for Chris Evans, dude. I'm just going to go see it for Zerg. I'm fucking pumped, dude. I've always wanted to see him just wreak havoc. And it looks like that's what we're getting in this movie. Surprised it was a movie, though. I always thought it was a TV show. I don't know why.
0: But, I, I, I can see why. I mean, the Monsters, Inc. sequel was a show.
1: Yeah, but anyway, though, I'm I'm excited for just to see Zerg, man. You know, he was mm. kind of a pussy in the TV. uh, in the, Not the TV, but in, in the, the other Command movies. Stuff? Yeah, the Toy Story movies, too, so... You know, hopefully he does some damage now. Okay, and Alex, what about
0: you?
3: I was sold from the moment I heard about this movie. I love Buzz Lightyear. I love Chris Evans. I think he's a great voice actor. Um, and you, the usage of David Bowie's Starman in the trailer just gets me even more excited. Mm. I saw this trailer in IMAX before I saw No Way Home, and I was with my brother, and we looked at each other. I was like, yep, we're going opening night. We will <laughs> be there at the first IMAX screening that they have. Because we both are just so excited for this movie. It's top five of the year for me.
0: Oh, of your most anticipated? Yes. I'd say it's up there for sure. I think the Batman's number one for me. As of this moment, at least. Um,
3: I just hope they use Storm in the, in the movie. they got to use it in the movie now. That'd be great.
0: <laughs> but speaking of voice acting, um, Hulu is reviving none other than Futurama. It's ordered 20 episodes, and most of the cast is returning. This is the third time the show's returned. Alex, are you a Futurama fan? How do you feel about it coming back? You know, does this ruin two series finales for you?
3: No, not at all. Because the Futurama in of itself is set up to be where it can end at a moment's notice. After the first cancellation, they set it up where any season, if that was it, they went out on a sense of finality, but they could always come back to it as well. Mm. And with the way that season, I think it's season eight ended, it definitely left the door open for the show to come back. The only thing that's keeping me from being through the roof about this is John DiMaggio, the guy who played Bender. Yeah. He, he has not signed on to come back yet. and That worries me because he is Bender. That's one of my favorite voice performances from him. But I'm, I'm a Futurama fan through and through. I love it more than The Simpsons or anything that Matt Gronick has done. I'm just, I'm hoping that it lives up to the quality of the original run.
0: I prefer The Simpsons over Futurama, but I do quite enjoy the Futurama stuff quite a bit. Um, it's weird that Joe hasn't signed on. You'd expect he probably be the first one. I, I'd argue, but
3: he's gotten big in the voice acting world, so it's possible maybe. It's a money thing. Maybe. Which is what it is most of the time. So I wouldn't be surprised because, I mean, he's been over at DC doing a ton of animated movies there. Mm-hmm. So his value's probably gone up, which I don't think that should limit Hulu. If they can make comments to follow them, they should have money to pay John DiMaggio. Yeah,
0: that's true. You know, uh, John DiMaggio, he was actually the, the original Grievous as well in 2003 Clone Wars.
3: Are you talking about the animated stuff? Yeah. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, he was Grievous in the 2003, the micro-series, which was pretty cool. I need to go back and watch
3: those. Those are good.
0: Jake, how are you feeling about this news of Futurama?
2: Um, I've never been big into Futurama. I guess I'm going to have to now. I've seen like a handful of episodes. I liked what I saw. Um, but I don't know. I never like got super into it, but I'm excited that it's coming back.
0: Okay. Daniil, I know you aren't much of a TV show guy, but how are you feeling?
1: I watched this at soccer camp. Um, I loved the show. I think it's vastly superior than The Simpsons. I think it's way more better with its writing and its comedic timing. Uh, I liked what I saw, like Jake. Um, I haven't watched all of them, but I've seen a good chunk of like a lot of it. So I'm, I'll be watching it. Hopefully they drop it weekly, um, so I can like keep up with it. You know, just something you know get zooted to and turn on at night and call it a day. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Yeah, well, I didn't expect you to actually be a fan of Futurama. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I thought it, it's like some episodes are like ret- straight up retarded, but like that's what makes it funny, you
0: know. You know, dude, I gotta say, you're 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 starting this episode on a positive note for once, dude. I like Futurama, man. I'm just I, saying, man. I, usually dude, your little ass is pissed about something already.
1: No, man. The Simpsons though, like, doesn't compare to Futurama. Ooh, uh, say I think so. Futurama. I'm, I'm I'm serious, man. I think Futurama has just better writing. And it's just better, better humor. Yeah. South Park's still number one, though. Just because okay. they're just non politically correct ninety percent of the time, and that's what I love.
3: After the past week, I gotta agree with you. I've gone on the South Park binge. South Park's number dude, two for me,
1: dude. When they literally just shot the kid because he was black, and they're like, "Oh, we missed him during the whole pandemic episode." Yeah, dude. Like, what? I, w- I was I was I was cracking up.
0: You know, they I didn't watch the Leo. pandemic episode yet. Dude,
1: what are you doing? That's what you got to watch, man. You want to have a good laugh, watch that, and it's just like you're watching Danilo talk about the pandemic.
0: Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I'm having to Exactly. <laughs> That's- <laughs> exactly, That's why, exactly. That is why New York <laughs> vlog number two is delayed by a week.
1: <laughs> hey, I, hang on, hang on. It may be delayed, but you know who wants to see it? And we're going to give a shot to this guy. Hopefully he listens to our podcast. But this guy, whatever his name is, where the hell are the comments, dude? How do I find the comments on this thing? Yeah, this guy. God damn it, dude. Where's his fucking comments, man? Yeah, okay. Fuzzy with the thing from Club Penguin. Um, um, Emote or whatever on our YouTube channel. He said, 450 is my favorite part. Maybe catch Corona. Maybe catch some bitches. That's exactly right, Fuzzy.
0: Wherever you are out there, that's exactly right. What's the phone? Is there a different part
1: of the name on that? No, it's just Fuzzy, dude. It's fuzzy with the little, like, puffle thing from Club Penguin, purple, and it has black sunglasses on. There's no... That's it? That's a good I'm, I'm just on YouTube Studio. Anyway, though, man. Big, big shout-out to you if you're listening to this, man. There's a lot more shit that I say that's 20 times worse, so, you know. Turn your volume down or blast it all the way up. Hold, shit. On, There's, hold on, man. Hold on. You
0: got me curious about something real quick.
3: Yeah. I gotta ask, since you probably see more South Park than me, does Cartman dress up as a certain German leader any more than in the first season? If you're referring to
1: the man known as Hitler, um, I would say yeah.
3: Oh, you know who this yeah, because is? Because when he when he walks out dressed as Hitler, <laughs> I lost it. That was one of the funniest things I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> My favorite will always be the Catholic priest one, where it's the cleanup crew.
3: Wait, in when so- is this in South Park? Yeah, what season? I'm on three. I am on i do not know. Okay, on... okay, just
1: just wait, just wait. If you went to a Catholic school, it hits home. Best episode by far. I might just anyway. have to Google that. that. That might be the move after this. I don't want to get canceled by Pope Francis, the guy who
4: just <sighs> likes right. to
0: blow children.
4: Um, I no, don't who, who that comment was, Milo.
0: Who? Yo, you found out who it is? Yeah, that's, that's a friend of mine, Darren. It's one of my very close Darren. friends. Big shout-out
1: to you, we, uh, buddy. We, we,
0: we, went, we did Halloween together. We did Dick in a Box. That's an L skit. Okay.
1: okay, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, he New called York us one New York,
0: actually. You talked to him briefly. Um, It's it's kind of funny. He has one of our Galaxy FM posters on the back window of his truck.
1: <laughs> My man, Darren. My yeah, man. Um, Alex. Good we went him, to man. go
0: see Jackass Forever with him this weekend. <laughs> one of the guys that came with us.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to remember the faces.
0: Look, this wow, past dude. weekend is a blur for me. Okay, I bet it is, pal. Anyway, we love to hear. <laughs> appreciate the that comment, there. <laughs> appreciate the comment, bud. Uh, moving on to the news, Fox has acquired none other than Gumby himself, and they're bringing the character back in live action, animation, and in the form of NFTs. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> Gumby. The green guy dude. Jesus. Don't know who Gumby is?
3: Bro. I don't
1: know he, but yeah, no. Bro, I'm from a third world country and I know who Gumby is. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't know if Michigan
1: counts as a third world country. Buddy, first of all, that's a state. Whatever. It's semantic. Anyway, though. I'm actually pumped for this dude. I don't know if anyone else is. But I want John Krasinski to play Gumby. I do too, I fucking love Gumby. I have a Gumby metal sign in my garage, actually. Ever since Michael Scott called him Gumby, dude. <laughs> Mate, him is Gumby.
0: Yeah, man. I'm pumped. Uh, the NFT thing is kind of a weird thing to, uh, to market. As, as Everyone's soon as you doing would...
1: NFTs, bro. I know. We're it's doing just doing weird NFTs? hearing
0: a studio come out and be like, yes, we bought this character. This is a pretty big character, even though it's not relevant much anymore. And we're going to make NFTs out of him. It's kind of odd. Yeah, would buy one, bro. Yeah, I'd, sh- I'd buy one. Who's but, going to uh, buy the
1: Galaxy of Film NFT? Coming to I you soon,
0: 2025. Gamer Harold, watch out. I think Harold will be the first in line for NFT. It starts at $50,000. I think he'd show up in line for moral support. Okay, cool. Yeah. Jake, how are you feeling about this news of Gumby?
2: I also don't know much about Gumby, but. okay. Dude, Jake! Come on, man! I'm sorry, but. <laughs> I, it, I'm, that's cool, they're bringing him back. I'm, I'm glad he's. I did Googled him, too, because I was like, who, who is this? And I, even then, I'm like, I'm. We're-.
0: Okay, so last week on the podcast, I get shit for being too young. This week on the podcast, I'm giving you guys shit because you don't know who the fuck Gumby is. Yeah. What's an NFT? Okay, where's Brian and David when I need them? Jesus. Yeah, alright, bro. (laughs) Um, Up next for the last bit of news, um, the Oscar announcements for the other day. Danilo, I know you've wanted to talk about this. Jake and Alex, you both have been covering the Oscar, the road to the Oscars on both of your respective platforms. How's everyone feeling? Danilo, go through some of the categories. The main ones.
1: Um. Okay, I really wasn't prepared for this, but I'll just tell you what I'm what I'm feeling. Very happy, Spencer, uh, Kristen Stewart got nominated for an Oscar. I was very happy about that. Mm-hmm. I feel like Jodie Comer should have got nominated for an Oscar. I don't know how you display getting raped on screen three times, give that wonderful performance, and then the Academy's just like, no, thank you. Um, I don't understand why Vil- uh, the De- Denny Villeneuve or whatever his name is. Didn't get the directing nod for Dune. I thought that was weird, but they got 10 Oscars in general. Mm-hmm. Best Picture came in with uh, Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, West Side Story, Power of the Dog, Nightmare Alley, Licorice Pizza, and King Richard. You guys know I like Don't Look Up. How? Who the fuck put this in the Best Picture category, man? Someone was tripping acid. Um, directing, we got Belfast again, Drive My Car, Licorice Pizza, Power of the Dark, West Side Story, actor in a leading role, Javier, Benedict, Andrew Garfield, Will Smith, Denzel, an actress, Jessica Chastain, Olivia Coleman, Penelope Cruz, Nicole Kidman, and Kristen Stewart. Overall, I mean, I'm happy with it. You know, mm-hmm. I think they did an okay job. I think there were a few snubs, a few surprises, like Andrew Garfield being nominated for Tick Tick Boom. I, I didn't see that coming, but I was happy for it. I'm happy as um,
3: well with that, yeah. Yeah. That is not a surprise at all, actually. He had, like, every precursor. He was, like, a guarantee next to Cumberbatch and Smith. (laughs) You know, I guess
1: now no one can say Oscars. I don't know. Shout out to, um, what's his, what's her face? Kristen Stewart, though. That's, I just want her to win. I'm I'm so happy. I'm so happy about that.
0: I'm surprised not a single nomination for Green Knight.
1: I'm surprised about that, too. I'm surprised, I'm happy there's no nomination. Nations for House of Gucci, except for hair and makeup.
0: Yeah, dude. Ugh, the Great Night thing's upsetting, at least for adaptive screenplay, would figure. I'm thinking visual effects, man. What was the budget on that thing?
1: That thing looks like it. Yeah, and that thing looked like it had a $200 million budget with some of those shots, in my opinion.
0: I agree, yeah, especially, um. Oh, gosh, it's when. With the Giants. When, I'm talking about when Gawain's going through the, the field with the kid. It has oh, yeah! yeah. Ye- bright yellow cape on. It's very smoky, and the yellow pops off in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. Gorgeous scene. Gorgeous scene. Um, Jake, how are you feeling about some of these nominations? Any, any snubs you want to discuss in particular?
2: Um, I'm just glad that they, that the Academy, went with Kristen Stewart, because there was a lot of like, oh, no, it's definitely Lady Gaga. And I was like, I really want Kristen Stewart, though. And then they went with Kristen Stewart. I'm so glad they did, because Lady Gaga was 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 solid in House of Gucci, but that movie is just a mess. And I'm glad that they went with Kristen Stewart. Uh, I'm surprised, but not mad that Nightmare Alley got Best Picture. Um, but all, also, don't look up. Um, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it also. But like, Tick, Tick, Boom got snubbed, uh, so that's pretty wild. I have to, I have to see Drive My Car. Uh, I haven't seen that yet. Me too. Uh, I haven't seen Parallel Mothers, which Penelope Cruz got an actress nomination, which was another kind of surprise. Um, at least in my eyes, but then like, uh, what was the other one? The supporting actor. Someone got into supporting actor. That was pretty, pretty, Oh, Jesse Plemons over Jared Leto. I'm glad they didn't go with Jared Leto. That's great. Um, (laughs) like a day after the Razzie nomination too, which is fantastic. Um, everything really kind of crumbled on Jared Leto there. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm again, like, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised no French dispatch, even though like that also lost a lot of steam. Um, green knight should have been in there for cinematography at least Uh, i mean that one definitely got overlooked but uh it is what it is unfortunately um but but yeah i'm excited to check out the awards i'm probably not gonna watch it i I never really watch them i just go and look at the winners unless like something they get like a cool host or something um but yeah I'm, i'm looking forward to it uh not super mad about the snubs uh but also like really happy with the surprises i'm glad like jesse buckley's in there for supporting actress It's a good, it's a good, uh, good nominations. I'm, I'm happy
4: with
0: it. I feel you. I probably going to order a pizza, have a friend or two over, watch them live. Um, I enjoy watching, I've watched the last three years, I want to say, in a row. I I got real something real quick to say.
1: Billie Eilish, I want her to win that Oscar. I do too. I love that song. I, I, that's when I really liked her.
4: I'm very surprised. When she
1: dropped her song.
0: Very surprised Disney did not submit We don't need to talk about Bruno Because that would have won I think Yeah, yeah. Sure. 100% would have won um, As far as like snubs for me I mean I'm s- <clears throat> I'm satisfied with the best film Or best picture award- or nominees um, Rooting for Licorice Pizza Just for the hell of it That was my number 2 on my top 10 of last year um, You know I, Of course I wanted Pig to get a nominee But I wasn't expecting it to It was pretty overlooked I feel like um, but very happy Licorice Pizza got one, 100%. A little bit upset about Green Knight, though, not going to lie. Um, but I'm very happy Christian Stewart as well went ahead and was nominated for Spencer. Alex, how do you feel about everything?
3: Um, as far as snubs go, I definitely say Cage, Nicholas Cage is a snub. Um, someone who was gaining, gaining steam towards the end was uh, Hidetoshi, uh Nishijima for Drive My Car for Best Actor. Mm-hmm. I definitely thought he should have gotten in. Denny's Denny Villeneuve is probably the biggest snub of the entire thing, I guess. Dune directed itself. I guess I, I guess that it just brought all these elements together and directed itself. But you know they got to nominate Spielberg any chance they could get, and Branagh only makes a film every twenty years that's that can really get nominated for an Oscar. So they got nominated him. Um... As far as the nominees go, I'm really happy with most of them. I mean, Drive My Car got a lot more than it really should have gotten. Mm -hmm. It's purely thanks to people talking about it and critic societies that it's even in there. Um, Neon campaigned their butts off, and that's the only reason Kristen Stewart's in there, because she lost all the precursor nominations, especially BAFTA and SAG. Um, They got Flea in for three different nominations, and they managed to get Worst Person in the World in for screenplay. Which is kind of a shock. Uh, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think, I've got like the entire list. Nightmare Alley showing up was a shock. I don't know how that one got in. The really only nomination it got was uh, Picture Critics' Choice. But you know they spread the love around this year, which is nice. But biggest snub is Denny and Nicholas Cage for Pig. Okay. if you he... also Kristen Stewart probably has a legitimate shot at winning
0: yeah I'm, I hope so Chris and Stewart I'm glad someone else feels the same way about uh about pig um Daniel, any any
3: a cluster mess.
0: yeah Daniel, any closing remarks as far as the Oscars go I just that Spielberg's a uh,
1: fucking Homo only made two great films and that he should be dropped uh from getting the nomination and it should be Denny, but yeah that's all
0: pretty sure our boy
1: Dakari would have to argue with you. Yeah, well, you know he can go watch dinosaur movies.
0: I was expecting that that to be an actual insult, not. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. I just gotta even expect you to
1: say off the wall shit, man. No, dude, I don't. I don't waste my effort with uh, Spielberg. Um, I know he only has two good films. And, that's and it. what are
0: those two films?
1: Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List. I think Schindler's List is his best one. Saving Private Ryan come second but i think those are his best two you don't like et no i don't know what the fuck that thing's doing on the screen i'm a better illegal alien than this guy (laughs) so no (laughs) all right dude up next shows
0: Let's let's talk shows uh the book of boba fett finale dropped today um who watched this you know you did not watch this. Dude, I see the spoilers
1: on Twitter. I could give a shit.
0: You've seen all the spoilers? Yeah, man, I
1: see it all, man. Oh. I'm on Star Wars Twitter. I, I cannot avo- I can't avoid that.
0: Oh, sucks for you because uh we're not talking spoilers.
1: <laughs> Damn. Well I'll just tell you what I thought about it, just from seeing spoilers. Go ahead. Looks cool. Looks cool. Yeah, looks I like, like the finale it, it, for the most part. It looks like it looks like what Dave and uh, Favreau said during the Mandalorian panel in twenty was it nineteen? Twenty nineteen. Just seems like they're just two forty-year-olds who love jacking off to the OT and they're playing with their action figures and they're trying to put a story together, and that's honestly what the Mandalorian season two and this looks like. So
0: this episode's bonkers. It's fucking wild. See, that's
1: what I'm. That's what I'm saying. This, that's what I'm that's,
0: saying. that's one of the reasons I do like this finale. Um, I have my issues with it. I have serious issues with it, and I'll get to that with you when our LFG goes Wait, in a couple real weeks. Real quick.
1: Real quick. Did the Power Rangers die? No. Yeah!
0: Mm! <laughs>
1: um, off of the Rangers.
0: Something... <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I do like about this finale, though, it feels very Clone Wars in rebels Like, it's paced like an animated show. It's kind of weird seeing that thrown into live action and it not being done by, like, Dave Filoni or someone who's dipped into the animated side of things. Um, But the last five minutes of this absolutely ruins the finale for me. Um, Couldn't fucking tell you where we're going from here. As far as the Mando... I don't want to call it Mandoverse because it's his own thing. As far as the, the Mandalorian pocket of Star Wars goes... With the Ahsoka show... Rangers New Republic... All of these spinoffs and coming. I don't know where the fuck we're going next. I really don't. Um, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe season 3 of The Mandalorian will completely throw me on my ass... And throw a huge curveball. Maybe it's trying to retake... What The Mandalorian originally had in season 1... Where we just don't know what the fuck we're, to expect... But, uh, after seeing the finale of this, I really don't have positive hopes for where we're going, I think, if this had just whoa. ended a l- yeah, I really, yeah,
4: dude. Whoa,
0: whoa, Max, I'm coming to celebration then, buddy. <laughs> Let's go shit on Star Wars.
1: This is wonderful.
0: Like, due to the, the ending of The Book of Boba Fett, which I do think we're getting a season two, almost for sure. Um... <laughs> I could actually see us going multiple seasons of The Book of Boba Fett from now on. Jesus! I could really see this being just Mandalorian 2.5. And that's my biggest issue with this, and now getting to the LFG, is The Mandalorian. Whoa, whoa. I'm serious, dude. You don't like The Mandalorian? You prefer Boba Fett over The Mando, or you prefer Mando over Boba? No, no, I preferred The Book of Boba Fett over Mandalorian Season 1. But what I'm saying, my issue with the Book of Boba Fett is this Mando story arc within the show. Okay. I think it's great content. Some of the best bridging of Star Wars we've gotten. Because the Book of Boba Fett is one of the only pieces of of Star Wars, like this Disney-era media we've gotten, where we're pulling stuff from the comics and books. So are those books you had to read that you were complaining about like for Rogue One? Some of that stuff matters. Black Rose is from the books. Cobb Vanth is from the books. It's kind of cool. Um, you know, we're getting the prequel references and technology thrown in here. We're setting up for the sequel slash resistance area. Um, we got plot points from Clone Wars, Bad Batch, Rebel Stone in here. With original trilogy characters and some unique original ideas as well. With this Mando era going on. Um but I I just couldn't fucking tell you where this is going next. It, it's it's a very odd thing for me because like I said, those Mando the two Mando episodes, uh, five and six, they're good content. But how it fits to Boba Fit, I couldn't fucking tell you. Other than he just shows up, basically. Um, it's odd. The the finale of this felt like a finale for the Mandalorian. I'll put it that way.
1: Listen, man, This I'm sorry, but this is just music to my ears. Because I've been saying this now for two years. So, I'm, I'm so happy you agree, finally.
0: Well, it's just, the, Jake, let me hear some of your thoughts. How did you like the finale? Do you agree with me at all as far as the ending goes?
2: Um, as far as the ending, I, I agree with you that the Mandalorian stuff in the show is really good. But it's just, it feels out of place within this... Story and it's sort of weird because I I I ultimately didn't like the show overall. Mm -hmm. I thought the finale was solid, um, but I just for me some a lot of it felt very half baked and it felt like they really wanted to make season three of Mandalorian, but for whatever reason I don't know what was going on behind the scenes, but for whatever reason they made this instead and it felt like they didn't really have enough like story to fill it because i feel like in episode four with the boba fett show it was like all right here we go and then the next episode was nothing about boba fett and i was like what the fuck so then Mm -hmm. like from five and six it was like all right it feels like this is kind of like supplementary material that has like nothing to do with the overall story of the boba fett show and then once we get into the finale, it's like okay, we have an hour now to wrap up. Every- exactly. And it, and it was, and it didn't do that in a very satisfying way. I feel. Um, I, it, th- there's this talk of war throughout the whole series. Oh, the the bikes are starting a war, and then like it just was like this, you know, fun action sequence in a street with like the the rangers, and I was like. I don't know. I was underwhelmed. Um, I do like a lot of these characters, though, and I'm 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 excited that we don't know where it's going. I'm excited about that. Although mm. I am like a little bit disappointed that like the ending of Mandalorian season two is almost like it doesn't mm. hit as hard anymore. It's I feel still out like. the fucking window. Yeah, I like it. Feel like it really doesn't like hit me very hard emotionally. If I ever rewatch that, it's not going to be like I'm going to be like, oh well in five minutes. Mm. You know. I'm not going to spoil it, but like this is not going to matter very soon. Um, so that felt very underwhelming. I wish we had a little bit more time uh, apart. And then with season three, I'm excited because I don't know where we're going. But I'm also nervous because I didn't like this show all that much. But also, like I have faith in Favreau and Filoni. Mm-hmm. I think they really want to tell the Mandalorian story, and this, for whatever reason, they needed to do to fill time. I don't know if they just needed a Star Wars show this year, but I, I like, this 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. Everything about this felt super strange to me. Uh, I didn't hate all of it. I didn't even really hate it. It was just very, like... It, it was a weird, like, Frankenstein thing, and I was very confused, and ultimately, I'm glad that I watched it, and I'm glad that it was made. But I don't know. I just was like, this felt pointless. But I, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully they do something soon that changes my mind. I don't think they'll make more seasons. I mean, maybe I, I, I wouldn't be against it, especially if they like had time to sit and be like, all right, well now we know what we're gonna make. We're gonna make a Boba Fett show, mm-hmm. and if they want to make a Boba Fett show, I'm into it. But uh, I, they need to have like a full story for me to be interested in that.
0: As far as, like, the half-baked stuff with this show, like, I I really... It's weird, because I think everything we've gotten in this show is good content. It just doesn't blend together. Yeah. Whatsoever. With the Mandalorian episodes being, in my opinion, some of the best, at least Disney-era Star Wars we've gotten. Like, those two episodes are fantastic by themselves. You You can watch them without even watching the rest of the book of Boba Fett. Yeah, which is is nice in a sense. But I, I don't understand why this show is seven or this yeah this season is seven episodes. Mandalorian's been eight for both of them. Why are we an episode of less? It it feels like there should be no excuse for that final episode being r- almost rushed because that's how it feels like, man. Like it's a clean finale, but it's a conveniently clean finale. Like it just feels like we're just wrapping up shop, tie every loose end up. So we can make a bunch more the next season. Um, gosh, did, did we really all think though
1: that Grogu was gonna stay with Luke? Th- that's what I was about to say. I did I mean, think that. Think about it. Think about it though. People who I talk to who are females who couldn't give a shit about Star Wars. People who I talk to who are guys who just do sports and anything who couldn't give a shit about Star Wars. Watch this. Started season one because of this relationship with Baby Yoda. It was the big talking point and got everyone on board. And I remember as soon as season two ended with baby Yoda going away, Grogu, whatever you want to call him, people were like, well, now nah, I don't have a reason to watch star Wars anymore. I don't have a reason to watch this. You know, the whole trope of the lone wolf or whatever is now completely gone. So I don't care for star Wars. They're probably going to do star Wars stuff and I don't have to watch it anymore.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: From a business standpoint, that's awful. And almost from a story standpoint as well. See, cause Baby Yoda engrossed everyone. My parents watched this shit. Yeah, My, my parents never watched, watched it, Wars. dude.
0: Yeah. She's obsessed with fucking... For my 21st birthday, she got me the Sideshow life-size Grogu, because she was so obsessed with season one. See, so you're right, that is a great... The character of Grogu is a great entryway for all ages, audiences. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. From a business standpoint, I get where you're coming from. From a storytelling standpoint, it pisses me off. I was really hoping we wouldn't see Grogu again, period, for a while. Um, like, I knew eventually we'd see him, not just because it's flat out. Um, Din is like, I'll see you again at some point. But my biggest issue with The Mandalorian is a season one, dives straight into the Grogu thing with Baby Yoda. And it's yeah. good, it's a good story. I really wish I had at least a couple episodes of Mando doing the bounty hunting thing. I wanted to see his life before he went on this crazy journey. So I was thinking, okay, we got man we got Grogu at the picture. We got the Jedi stuff taken care of. It's contained for now. We can really focus on Din taking over or getting ready to, you know, become the ruler of Mandalore, reclaiming yeah, yeah. The, the planet. So I was thinking Grogu was gonna come back at the end of season three or beginning of four, so that way we can get this Mandalore arc. Started, kicked up, completed whatever it be. That way, from that point forward, I think it really would have kicked off the whole Rangers, New Republic, Ahsoka, the Thrawn stuff coming in. um I thought from that point on is when they're gonna bring him back to help sell that content. I don't yeah. know why he came back um last week. I was talking off air. um I want to say the thing I think I was talking to Brian about, it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, how I thought Grogu was going to pick the lightsaber and complete his training at least halfway through, repeat the same process Luke did in Empire after the fact, go back to his friend half-trained, um, but he has the armor and the lightsaber at that point, when Din really needs him. But, uh, I don't know where this is going, man. It wrapped up pretty much everything nicely. Um, a little too nice, in my opinion. Couldn't... It, it felt like a Mandalorian ending more than anything. Um, couldn't fucking tell you where Season 3 is going, now that Grogu's back, to be honest. Disappointed in that. But everything else was fine, other than that. That one detail. Um, almost certain, though, we're getting Season 2 of Book of Boba Fett, because his story does not feel anywhere near complete. He lost his Gamorian guards. I mean, we're... We're almost a square. Wow, one.
1: dude! Sick, man.
0: It we're almost a square fucking one, dude. From where this show started, um, I'm pretty sure whenever we see Boba in Bad Batch season two or three, because you know we've discussed that before too. Since he's name dropped in season one like two or three different times, pretty sure whatever plot point in Bad Batch we brought up in season two, of book of Boba, because that seems how they handled Cad Bane. From Bad Batch to Boba Fett. So I'm almost willing to bet it'll be the same situation for season two. But, Alex, what are some of your thoughts on this finale?
3: I thought it was good. Um, getting to see Cad Bane in live action was a true dream come true for me.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And, yeah, I mean, look, are we allowed like to talk about spoilers? first
0: off. You can get into it, yeah. You can get into some of them.
3: Sorry, Daniel. Uh, Max of I had no interest in this show, so. As far as I can tell, they set up season three of Mandalorian, and I think it's going to be Grogu and Mando going back, and Mando's going to be reclaiming the throne of Mandalore and redeeming himself, because if you, if you remember, I think in the first solo Mandalorian episode in Book of Boba Fett, He's told that he's no longer mandalorian and he's still like very much into the beliefs of the mandalorian creed so he's probably going to try and go redeem himself mm-hmm. um that's what i think season three of mandalorians gonna be building up to i didn't mind that grogu came back i thought it was kind of nice to see the you know mando being a dad again moments especially when uh what's your face reveals grogu and he's like what are you doing here Protect the kid. And he I am just know immediately... we have that
0: too, but it's at, like at the cost of good character development, I feel like.
3: Yeah, well, if you haven't noticed, Star Wars has stopped caring about character development in the meantime. The sequel trilogy proves that. Character development is not in their vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So, I think it sets up Mandalorian in Season 3 well, and I think that's what the point of Book of Both that was. I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't get a Season 2 and it was just a limited series. I wouldn't be surprised if we did get a season two. I also don't care. I didn't start watching this until I heard Mando show up because that's what got me interested.
4: Okay, first
3: four episodes are eh, to say the least. Mm. And I would much rather see season three of Mandalorian than another season of Book of Boba. Fett.
0: Well, fuck you too, then, buddy. <laughs> I
3: don't like well, Book if of they Boba can Fett. do better character development for Boba than just take over Jabba's palace then I'd, be, I'd love to see a season two. But the problem is, Boba Fett got help Shining in his own show. No, I think agree with that, day.
0: dude. I love the flashback content for this show. I thought the flashbacks are overall the best part of the book of Boba Fett. I think the Tuscan Raider stuff's extremely interesting. Um, I was worried about the pacing until it was referenced. I think that episode after I complained about it where he was discussing how many years it had been him living with the Tuscans. Because um, he just wears the same outfit. You know, he goes straight from the jumpsuit to the cloak to wearing the armor on top of the cloaks. It's like, okay, if it's always the fucking black coat, I need some form of reference for a time gap here. Um, As far as, like, season three, I don't think Mando is going to try to redeem himself in the eyes of Mandalorians. I think he's going to go to Bo-Katan and kind of take up that creed of that form of Mandalorians. Because, we know, only the Children of the Watch the helmet thing and I'm pretty sure from a behind the scenes standpoint that's one of the reasons why we got Pedro Pascal take the helmet off twice in season 2 I'm pretty sure he's ready to start walking around with that thing on in some episodes um,
3: we'll see also I'm, I'm very much after Rise of Skywalker I'm very much like eh, on Star Wars mm-hmm. that's why I'm hoping Kenobi could renew my faith but Book of Boba Fett did not do it yeah, there were some awesome moments. You got to see Cad Bane. You had to bring back Cobb Van. But it was a whole lot of. It's like Rogue One. Now, mind you, I love Rogue One. I think it's one of the best Star Wars movies ever made. Okay. But it's a whole lot of. Remember this? Remember that? Like, it's just like. It's just. It literally stands on. Remember this thing a whole long time ago that we brought in and then you said we wasted? Well, now we're giving you what you want, but not exactly. We're going to do it in the way that we think that you want, but not the way that you actually want. It's just a whole lot of BS.
0: That's fair. It's fair criticism at the end of the day. Um,
3: yeah. At this point, who cares? Just give us a just give us a sitcom of Mando being a single dad.
0: <laughs> um, at this point. Anyways, I really do hope whatever st- ultimate story that Filoni and Favreau have in plan. With this Mando era, I'm hoping it pays off. I hope for a grand epic finale to it, whether it be a film or a crossover series where the big event takes place. That way it's not everyone dumped into the Mandalorian show. They'll have their own group-focused show for this thing. Whether it be a limited series or a film.
3: I had to guess. There's going to be something, because you know how the New Order is already pretty prominent by the time that Return of the Jedi, or by mm-hmm. the time that Force Awakens happens. how m- What's the time span between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens? 30 years. 30 years? So we've got 24 years until Force Awakens, and New Order or the First Order seems like it's been around for, you know, a good 5 or 10 years. So I wonder if they're going to tie in Mandalorian with the rise of the First Order. Well, they already so are. We
0: saw Snoke in Season 2 with Mandalorian. We did it? In the cloning. I was just rewatching an episode today, actually. The cloning facility on Navarro.
3: I might have to go back and rewatch. Is that the one where he takes his helmet off and. Richard no, Briggs no. This is him? the
0: the one with Carrie Doon and Grief Karga.
3: I don't remember that episode, but. You, Snoke is there?
0: You see Snoke's body in a back to tank. I might have to. And there's a couple references about, like, the New Order or something. Um, just just you know, emphasis on the word order. Basically, whenever the Remnant Empire is discussing it,
3: um, well, I'm as Dave Filoni and John Favreau doing their thing. I will always support. It just didn't hit that well with me for Boba Fett.
0: That's fair. I liked it, like I said, until the last five minutes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk Euphoria. Danilo, you just started this series, right? How are you liking it so far? I'm liking it, dude. I thought this was going to be
1: some pussy shit. Um, just, like, girls fucking talking about drama in high school. No, it's pretty good, man. It's really good. I think everyone has their own little corruption arc they go on, and it just... Uh, I'm only, like, I think five episodes in in season one, six.
0: Okay. Uh, Almost so done. Then. I got
1: to... Yeah, I'm trying to catch up for the last two episodes. Um, you got three. You know, so I can three episodes that'll drop, so... Uh, but yeah, I'm liking it, man. Jules I didn't like, but once he called that Nate kid who went by the name of Tyler, you know, when she was calling him out, that's when I was like, that's a cool character right there.
0: Good for you. Yeah. yeah, dude. Alex, are you we'll caught see, up though. on Euphoria?
3: I I have not yet. I've actually been kind of burnt out by this show. Okay. <laughs> um, I just it's gotten too much for me they've gone they were walking the line of two of going over the edge mm-hmm. for the since the beginning of season two and by the end of episode i what was it it was the episode before cal you know the iconic sound of him saying i, I am who i am yeah whatever yeah the episode before that i watched and I was just kind of like yeah this is too much okay okay so i, I I'll catch up. I'll catch up before the season finale.
0: Jake, what about you? Are you watching this?
3: Yeah, I I, I love this show.
2: Um, I, this recent episode was really good. So you're uh, caught up. I'm caught. Yeah, I'm okay. totally caught up. Okay. Sweet. Um, this recent one was really good. Uh, I, a friend of mine
0: compared it to Good Time, which yeah, I was about I, to say it's very Safdie influenced.
2: Definitely. Um, I was into it. Uh, the acting was super raw and like real. I loved it um i'm i'm super excited and and nervous about everything and i don't Mm -hmm. know where it's headed and uh i'm definitely looking forward to seeing how it all wraps up um but i i just love the characters uh it's it's not i look forward to watching it every week and uh yeah it's, it's one of my favorites and this one this one in particular was like a standout is like oh this is so fucked up i i it's it's hard to watch but i can't look away you
0: cannot look away man this episode episode 5 in season 2 i'd argue is probably one of the best episodes of television i've ever seen i it's gorgeous it's very safty influenced which we know i love adore the safty brothers work um down to the anxious feeling you get the entire episode to the handheld camera um cinematography being done with that as well dude Ooh, this whole episode, absolutely fucking bonkers. I, I'm not even going to lie. I kind of hope Zendaya is nominated for something for this, based off she this won. episode.
3: She won the Emmy for the first season. She did? Yeah, she won the Emmy. She was, like, sh- that was the big shock of the night, is that she won for Euphoria. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. At this point, I honestly, I think that you're going to see nominations for the guy who plays Cal, Absolutely. Probably see something for Jules, maybe. Definitely, I think, for Coleman Domingo. Because his role is a heck of a lot bigger this season, thankfully.
0: After this episode, dude, Zendaya is going to a nom- nomination.
3: Yeah. All right, that's it. I'll watch it later, okay? I promise. I've watched watch. it
0: twice so far. <laughs> I
3: is, loved it, it. Is, is it really as much like the Safties as you're telling me?
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: Because, like, don't oversell me on this, because Safty, that's high praise.
0: Yeah, dude. It's very good time-esque. I feel
3: it's, like it's very more than anything. Like, it's more Uncut Gems.
0: It's more off the rails like Good Time than Uncut Gems.
3: But no Bleach Robert Pattinson, though.
0: No Bleach Robert Pattinson, but we get, like, a recreation of the shot Robert Pattinson running.
3: <laughs> for sure.
0: Uh, yeah. Where he's you, were you covered in the, uh, the powder for the money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we get a we get a shot recreate of that Vru, which is pretty awesome. But like, she's not covered. It's just a you got. I'm coming from him, Jake.
4: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, let's talk how I met your father this week, Danilo. You're not watching this, I assume.
1: No, man. I chose to watch Rick and Morty season five, which finally got added to Hulu and HBO Max. Oh, uh, really? Oh,
3: okay. So Never back. mind, Max. I'm not watching before. I'm watching Rick and Morty. <laughs> More important things, priorities.
0: Okay. Did you already finish season five, Danilo?
1: Yeah, I just finished it.
0: Okay, how'd you like the finale? That was Falk Rick and Mortal Loved Warwick.
1: it. Loved it. Loved the finale, dude. I think the finale's great.
0: Need to finish season uh-huh. four still. I'm behind.
1: Oh, you haven't finished it yet? Oh, I thought you did. I thought you watched it. No,
0: I got caught up oh. with um whenever yeah, 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 I was yeah. rewatching season three and getting into season four again was around the time uh, Yeah. Was no, it was when uh, what was that show? Michael Keaton, Rosario Dawson. Overdope, or Overdope. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Dope Sick. Dope Sick, Sick.
4: yeah, yeah. It's when Dope
0: Sick dropped, and then I was going to start Dope Sick. I was also watching iCarly. I just had too much. I put Rick and Morty on the back burner.
4: Dude,
1: great
3: fucking TV show.
0: Yeah, what's up, Alex?
3: Uh, Quick plug, not on the notes, but I can't let Euphoria be mentioned without mentioning this. Righteous Dimstones, if you're not watching it, one of the funniest things on TV, especially if you grew up as a Christian or you grew up watching televangelists, mm. this is great humor. Especially if you've seen Vice Principals or Eastbound and Down. Same creative team. Um, really funny. And uh, John Goodman will probably be nominated for an Emmy for this season. Okay, I'll have to check it out. He was fantastic. It's a comedy show but it's also, it's like a black comedy. It's like, don't look up, but good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jake, so, are you watching How I Met Your Father?
2: <laughs> I am actually. I am I'm, I'm into it. It's it's you know it's something to watch. I don't like love it, but I, I really do love How I Met Your Mother. Um, mm-hmm. and I like this one. I was expecting to not like it. Like I just like took a shot with it with my girlfriend, and I was like, yeah, let's we, we can we can start watching it. I liked that old that that How I Met Your Mother. Um, and uh, it's it's not bad. You know, nothing nothing crazy, but it's fun funny stuff happening sometimes. Mm-hmm. I,
0: I'm, I'm into it. I remember when we were talking about Full House on that LFG, and we talked about like Fuller House, we kind of fell off quickly, um, yeah. just because it was a bit copy and paste. Thankfully, this doesn't feel copy and paste to me. Um, what I'll do is I'll watch, because we're watching this weekly, my roommate and I, will watch an uh, episode of How to Make Mother, go to Father, then watch an the episode of Mother in there as well, just for uh-huh. the hell of it, throw it in at the same time. It's, it's fun um it feels good to have a sitcom i i watch weekly again because i haven't done yeah. that since how i met your mother ended so it's what about you
2: to on Streaming too it's like very strange i'm like i don't like there's like a disconnect for me and i was saying that on the lfg of full house too where it's like it's weird to see that these like aren't on like oh you don't like have to tune in at thursday at eight or something it, it, it like, is like,
0: weird like, man
2: you know, it's, it's it's strange, but it's uh it's 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 a it's a different feeling.
0: But I, that I'm, threw me off the Euphoria. Actually, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. I don't watch it at nine. It it, it throws me off because Euphoria feels like a streaming show. Yeah. But I'm I'm very glad you brought that up, actually, Jake. But overall, you're enjoying I Met Your Father so far.
2: Yeah, I I, I like it. I, I like the dynamic of of the group of friends. I wasn't expecting to, but I'm I'm into it, and I and I like the
3: characters.
0: Okay, sweet. What about you, Alex? How are you feeling about the show so far?
3: Well, if you listened to last week's episode, you know that I felt that this was kind of a stumbling point in mm-hmm. the show. And thankfully, this week was a redemption episode. It was a lot better this week. The dynamics all played very well. Each character storyline was clearly presented. And uh, th- there was a nice redemption arc for Jesse. Mm-hmm. So, I... Definitely a lot better than last week. So I still think the show is still fine. In its footing, but I think we're going to be saying that all of first season.
0: Probably more than likely, more than likely.
3: Now we keep praying for Barney to show up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need a swirly, the barnacle before we go ahead and get to our stream of the week. Um, there's a movie that just don't have time to do an LFG on. We're not, we're not headlining it, but Alex and I, this weekend, we went to our local Alamo draft test. We, we sat down with some friends and we watched jackass forever in theaters did anyone else watch jackass forever no Danilo? no dude Woo! i want to start off by saying this movie's fucking great absolutely loved every fucking second of this um growing up was kind of weird uh my parents were like very oddly strict like i grew up on the simpsons but i couldn't watch family guy growing up Um, Star Wars is okay, Harry Potter wasn't until I was a certain age. Very odd things, like I couldn't watch the 2000, I I think it was the Ed Norton Hulk movie because it showed his ass in a scene. Just very odd restrictions of my parents were fucking weird. So, Jackass is something I used to sneak watch on TV, like I probably never watched a full episode growing up. Um, never watched the movies, um, except I saw a good chunk of clips of the second one. But Jackass Forever was an absolute fucking blast. Um, I don't think I've ever laughed this hard in a theater. Seeing it with some people from friends was was always a great time. Having a beer with this as well. Just a damn good experience. After this, I went home, I sat down, and I watched the other three movies in one sitting with my friends. Um, Just a fucking delight. How did you like this, Alex?
3: This movie was something that I didn't know I needed in my life. Mm. I remember when the first trailer dropped for it, and it just opens with, Hello, I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to Jackass. And immediately I was sold. I'd never seen any of the other movies. And then the night before we went and saw this, I watched all three of them. Mm. Back to back. No sleep for Alex that night. (laughs) And I didn't care, because it was so much fun getting to see this crew just do absolutely stupid stuff with each other. Mm. And then comes along Jackass Forever, and I've read the interview, I've watched interviews with Knoxville, and there was a definite sense of finality with this one. Like, Knoxville said this will be his last one, and you see why. He puts himself probably through the most physical pain of all of them, and yes, this is even counting the cup test.
4: Oh, that (laughs)
3: shit (laughs) hurt. That that hurt me, and I didn't even get a hockey puck to the nuts.
4: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: So, and they were—they also didn't give away all the skits in the trailer either, which I was very impressed with. You I only agree. Maybe, see, you maybe see an eight of everything that happens in that movie. You don't even see the opening of the movie, which is probably one of the funniest parts of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. The movie, I loved it. I dang near gave it five stars. Um, I rewatched this. If this doesn't make my top 10 of the year. I will be severely disappointed in myself.
0: I agree, actually, dude. I fucking loved every bit of this. I'm hoping
3: it holds up for the rest of the year. This this is the movie that needs to get them that SAG Ensemble nomination for Stunt Ensemble. Yeah, I agree. Like I
0: 100% movie, agree.
3: This movie needs to be nominated for Oscars, honestly. And you probably could get it in for something. Mm. And I, I think you actually should because these guys have put themselves through the ringer for over 20 years now. And uh, this movie just came at the exact right time for me. This is like when I saw Come On, Come On. It came at the perfect time for me. I honestly drive my cars playing at the local Alamo starting this weekend, and I still might go see Jackass forever.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't blame you one bit.
3: I might do a double feature. See the three-hour slow Japanese thoughtful film, and then go laugh my butt off at Jackass.
0: Go for it, man. It's, it's a fucking blast. If you um, if you're able to, if you feel comfortable enough, go to the theater, sit down, watch this movie. Bring friends. Have a good yes. time with this thing.
3: I mean, you can even see it by yourself, though. Don't don't sell it short. You no, can no, go I'm by yourself. I'm not saying yourself.
0: that, but man, going with a group of people always makes everything better.
3: Mm, I disagree.
0: <laughs> okay, well, in the situation for jackass forever, buddy.
3: <laughs> I'll test that theory this weekend and get back to you on that.
0: <laughs> okay, pal, let me know how that works. Next up, streamer of the week, Danilo, what have you got for us? I hate to give them the
1: praise, but it will be House on Netflix, that little like stop motion animation thing about four short stories all surrounding this house. Okay. Pretty good. First two were actually really good. Uh last two was kind of weird. The last one was just weird in my opinion. The first two were good, last one was just weird. Um, I would suggest watching it. It's creepy. It's not really scary. Um, I don't really know how much thinking needs to be put into it too. So it's not like one of these, you know, thought provoking stop motion things like, uh, I don't fucking know. Just watch it. Just watch it and let let me know what you think.
0: It's decent. It's pretty cool. Very good description, buddy.
1: Listen, man, nothing's going to beat the wild things. I'm sorry,
3: bro. (laughs) (laughs) The news is right though. This movie is really good. It's a really great horror anthology film, and those are few and far between.
0: Okay, all right. And you said that sales on Netflix?
3: Yeah, I hate giving them
1: praise though. I just hate it, man. So just just look it up on like Just Watch, and then you know. Don't <laughs> encourage piracy, Daniel. I'm not encouraging it. I'm just saying, don't listen to me on where you can find it. Find out on your own time. Just Google where can I watch House. I don't want to be dropping the n the n word on. Fine, on the podcast, I'll say. Go
3: watch it on Netflix. Don't pirate it.
0: Sick,
1: one I an, Yeah, it's sick, dude. Way to say the N-word.
0: <laughs> Alright, guys. We're going to go ahead and cut to a quick break and go over our rating system in case you're new to the show. When we get back, we're going to discuss Ari Aster's Hereditary. We'll be right back, guys.
3: Oh, hi, Mark.
0: The Galaxy of Film rating system is based off planets featured in the Star Wars films. From our highest rating to lowest, here's the order in which we rate these films. Number five. Kurosawa, the entire planet is one
3: big city. Number
4: four. Hey. Best It's pretty far, but I think we can make it. A mining colony?
3: Yeah, it's a gas mine. Number three.
4: Like you did by the
3: lake on Naboo. Number two. Set your course for the hot system. And lastly, number one. Gotta get back to Jakku. Back to Jakku! Why does everyone want
2: to go back to Jakku? My-
0: All right, and we're back from our quick little break. Danilo, go ahead and give us your legendary breakdown of Ari Aster. His, his, okay. Was this his first film? Mm, yeah, his first uh, major film. Okay, give us the, uh, yeah. the recap of Hereditary. So if you
1: were like me, one day you strolled up into the Canada-Toronto International Film Festival... And he stumbled upon a movie named *Hereditary*. This little filmmaker named Ari Aster, and he watched it. And it was pretty intense. But the summary is: this woman, old lady, old hag, fucking dies, and Tony Kuts just sobbing and weeping. And she has a real fucked up daughter. And the son's kind of normal, you know? He's cool. Alex Wolf. He's from something. Big Time Rush. Naked, the Naked Brothers naked, Man. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Naked Brothers Man. So he's just chilling there, and he's like, hey, I got a movie. And boy, oh boy, he did not know what he was in for. They're all in therapy, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, though, him doing his, you know, um, I don't know, teenage activity, some euphoria shit. He goes to party. He's smoking dope, you know. What What else can he like? The daughter's just real fucked up. I don't even know her name. Charlie. Um, what? Charlie. Charlie, yeah, dude. even has a guy's name. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, you know, what can you say? But you know, Charlie is there, and she's at the party because uh, the mom, Tony Colette, was all like, "Hey, take Charlie," and Alex Wolf was all like, oh, "Fuck me, right?" And he's trying to, you know, get some puss, and then fucking Charlie has to eat the goddamn chocolate cake that has peanut butter in it. So, you know, Alex is the kid's name, and he's pissed. So he's just driving home at 50 miles an hour because Charlie, you know, is what almost suffocating. Charlie sticks her head out the window trying to get some air in her to her lungs, and then whammo, decapitation. And like any older brother who watched their sister just get decapitated, he just takes this uh, vow of silence for, I don't know, half of the day. And his mother just unknowingly, you know, has some nice uh, cookie crumb or cookie crisp, goes to uh, her car getting ready for a day of work. And what does she see in her backseat? Just probably a pool of blood and a decapitated, how old is she, like 14, let's say, because she's in high school.
0: No, she's younger. She's not in high school, I thought.
1: Like 10 or 11. Yeah. 10, 11, yeah. Well, she's dead, so it doesn't really matter, with no head. <laughs> then we see a nice shot of the head with the ants going in and out of it. That was kind of rough. Turns out this family is just completely fucked from the beginning. Uh, Tony Clut goes into it, saying her husband, her father starved himself to death. Her mother wants full custody of the baby. We see uh, the old lady who died in the beginning like breastfeed Charlie in a little diorama. Tony Kleck does these little dioramas, so, you know, that's kind of cool. The poor father is just an average Joe, middle-class worker, trying to keep his family together. And how does he perish? He gets burned alive. Anyway, though, to deal with the uh, decapitation of her daughter, Tony Kleck goes to a little, what is it called? Like, alcohol's anonymous, but my family member's dead anonymous, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she goes to see uh, some lady who knew her mother. Because obviously her mother just died maybe, what, two two weeks ago, let's say? A week ago? If that. Yeah, yeah, like she just got buried, too. And they're talking, and one day the mother sees her walking at the grocery store, and she's like, hey, listen, uh, Tony, I can summon demons. My son is back, because I lost a kid, too. And Tony Klet's like, "Oh, you're on fucking Molly, but sure, I'll, I'll see what you're up to. And they go test it out, and what do you know? The girl who's on Molly was right. So Tony Collect tries it. The dad's just wondering, Honey, honey, shut the fuck up, please. I don't know what you're doing. Turns out, we find out, the grandma was in a cult uh, this entire time, trying to summon the man, Payman, the guy. Uh, what is it, not god, demon? He's one of the eight
0: demons of hell.
1: Yeah, eight demons of hell of Payman with wealth and riches, and uh, Tony Collette kind of, kind of is trying to, I don't really even know if I understand this movie completely while I'm discussing it right now, but she kind of makes Alex... The vessel for payment that's all we're trying to do in this movie so mm-hmm. he's getting just attacked and everything he fucking slams his head on his desk bloody nose i've had him too brother the poor girl in front of him he never got his little pee sucks so oh fuck you know then he joins the eight demons of hell in the treehouse and that's how it ends yeah and everyone's naked at the end for some fucking reason this
0: movie's fucked like absolutely yeah. fucked
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, How and then she's like at the end, like saying renouncing Satan and everything like that, and saying, "Yeah, this is something." <laughs> it is. I don't man. know where this guy gets it,
0: but it it's something special, all right. It, and it works. It does. That's it. It leaves me me speechless anytime I rewatch Hereditary or Midsummer. Um. God, <laughs> <laughs> this fucking movie. Um, when was the first time you watched this, Danilo? Uh, I saw it after it came
1: out. And came. Uh, I think I waited a Tuesday. It came out that Thursday, and it wasn't on my top list to go watch. Um, and it didn't come in my theater right away, but it came around like a Monday or a Tuesday.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So I went Tuesday midday, and I'm in like a 300 uh, things theater, 300 seat theater with maybe two other people. Oh, yeah, dude. I was terrified out of my mind. I didn't want to leave my theater. I didn't want to leave my theater until the guy behind me left his fucking seat. Mm. And the woman in front of me left after me. And we kind of talked at the end, just saying, what, what the hell did we just watch? She's, I think she, she was like 40 or something, 30, you know, I would bang her, but she was all saying like, uh, what'd she say? She's like, I'm real happy. Someone else was in the theater while watching this. And I'm like, yeah. Me too.
2: Sounds like the <laughs> beginning of a really nice steamy video.
0: Yeah, Jake, when was the first time you watched Hereditary?
2: I think I saw it opening day. So I was like, okay. this, was like "This is when like a twenty four was still kind of like you know here and there." But like, I I was talking about it because I was because the, the big thing a lot of like people were mad about when this first came out was the trailers were like the new exorcist boom, boom and like just making it look like the yeah, yeah, yeah. craziest ride you've ever seen and so people went into it with that mindset and so the audience like the cinema score was like a d or something and people were like really unhappy with what they saw uh, i actually told my mom to go see it and she went i think with her boyfriend like the night the, the preview like the thursday night showing and mm-hmm. then she was like we walked out it was horrible and i was oh, like oh wow. i was like really the fuck i was like i was like i thought this looked really good i went the next day with a friend of mine and i loved it and i was just like this is this is incredible like i this is like one of my favorite movies now and uh everybody in the theater i was there was like a decently packed theater surprisingly uh everybody hated it everybody in the theater was like what was the point of that that was so dumb and i'm like am i is this like the same thing happened when i saw that movie annihilation I saw that too, and the like, same thing. Everybody hated it. I'm like, what? What am I? What the am Natalie I, like, Portman
4: movie? What?
2: Annihilation with Natalie Portman? Yeah, I fucking Spider-Man.
3: hated that movie.
2: Oh man, I I dug it, but but yeah, yeah like
3: That um, was fantastic. I fucking hate Annihilation. I
2: only saw it the one time. I gotta watch it again. But it was pretty good from what I remember. But Hereditary is is phenomenal. I I love like this is one of those movies where you can just rewatch it and rewatch it and get something new out of it every time
4: because mm-hmm. when
2: I first saw it I was like okay yeah what the fuck was that and then like went and saw it again in theaters and I was like okay okay and now I watch it and I'm like I pick up something new every time something little something new and I'm like oh yeah this was like mapped out from the beginning like you could see it in the classroom when uh, the, the they're talking about like the literature or something and it's like oh this is like a super tragic story because they have no say and it's all like doom from the beginning and it's like wow, that's what they're talking about. And then, like, the whole, like, uh, the uh, the imagery of, like, the dollhouses and, like, you know, playing with little... It's, like, that's what the family is and, like, the opening shot of, like, coming into the dollhouse kind of thing. It's great stuff. I think um, Halloween
0: really 2018 took inspiration from that.
2: It's, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's fantastic. And uh, I think that, like, Ari Aster had a lot... Uh, Of craft in this and it's like it's all on display you can see everything like just perfectly like timed out and everything is like really well done and like to a t airtight and the two hours is like goes by in my opinion i know it's like at first when i saw it i was like oh my god this is so like slow and lingering but now i watch it i'm like no this is like perfectly paced it's it's a really well done horror movie not like this like like jump in your face scary but like sits with you scary and it's like just like some of the some of the like shit that will stick with you for the rest of your life type of shit where it's like yeah no i'm never gonna forget that charlie scene ever and it's like that's like when i first saw that i remember like how i like how i was breathing i remember like sitting there like grabbing the seat like mm-hmm. i remember all that shit and i'm like this is like that's one of those moments where you're like you remember every detail of when you first saw it and you're like Well, whoa, whoa like i like the trailers even were like I thought that that little girl was gonna be like a big deal in this movie. Like yeah. twenty minutes in, boom! And it's like, what, what's the rest of this movie now? And mm. it's it's great shit. It's like one of my favorite movies, period. But definitely like to up there, a twenty four for sure. Um, it's it's fantastic.
1: Are speaking of Jake's, go ahead. speaking of Jake's negative review, I remember I wasn't a big like so like I was a big social kid in high school. But I was talking to kids in high school who went to go see this movie. And they thought it was, like, atrocious or whatever. Now, I think this movie ages like fine wine, though. Because yeah. now I talk to them, and they say they love this movie. They t- they're telling me they were there for Midsommar opening uh, weekend. And, I you know, just a contrast of weekends uh, for Midsommar, my theater was sold out. For this movie, you know, it, it wasn't. And it was, like, what? same uh, Just same weekend or whatever? So I think this movie did, did a lot for me. Yeah.
0: See, I might have the opposite effect. Um, I didn't get to see Hereditarian Theatres. I didn't even hear about this movie um, until, after, until like, 2018, actually, when I got into A24 stuff. That, that, that's when it came out. Did this come out in 2018?
1: Yeah, I just looked at it because I wanted to know, but, yeah, it came out in 2018.
0: I thought it came out in 2016 for some reason. Okay. Um, well, this completely went over my head in 2018. I was... Yeah, my, my introduction to A24, um, other than, like, knowing it was an A24 film, was, was mid-90s. Um, and I'd seen Spring Breakers, I'd seen The Room and Bling Ring and a couple others, not knowing what mm-hmm. they were, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, here, or, or at least in Fayetteville, I was living at the time, people didn't get into hereditary. Like, I didn't hear about it until after Midsummer came out. Um, I remember I saw Midsummer opening weekend. I think on a Friday or a Saturday with two friends, and we were the only ones in the theater that saw it. Like it didn't hit the the main AMC. Went to the second one we had over there. Um, only one showed up. It was a very awkward screening um, because I think one of the employees like walked in like three quarters of the way through the movie, not knowing what it was. Um, it, it was during the it was during the sex scene. Between the boyfriend and, and the redhead girl. And I can just hear the reactions of someone standing in the aisle. Like, the little aisle way up. Just, someone's staring right there. And I just hear their, what the fuck, <laughs> going on during that scene. Um, but it's interesting. Like, anyone I knew that got that liked Midsummer, then watched Hereditary here. Wow. So it's interesting to hear the contrast of that. Um, Jake, what about you? Did you see this in theaters or at home? What was your first time watching Hereditary? Do you mean Alex? I mean Alex, sorry dude, it's been a long fucking day.
3: Um. So yeah, uh, Hereditary, my first time watch was actually right, I believe it was right before Midsommar came out, mm-hmm. in it's original run. Okay. Um. And so I was like a year late to the party on Hereditary, I would heard all the hype, and I watched and I was kind of like, that was cool. I wasn't like as shocked as everyone was watching this movie i watched and i was like this is good modern horror this is the type of horror that people like robert eggers are making uh to a degree i'd say penne's cosmetology is the guy who made mandy um they are making good modern horror which is something that like is kind of popular but also kind of not it's very hit or miss i mean i heard all about you know it being the highest grossing H 24 movie this movie is insane but after watching, I was like, this is good. This is not up to the level that everyone's saying it is. Mm-hmm. But I definitely like it. I definitely respect it. And I think that Tony Collette is pretty good in it. Um, but I, it kind of got overhyped for me. But it does age like fine wine. Okay. So Interesting I, that it was I, overhyped. I, well, I mean, keep in mind, I was a year late to the party, dude. That is true. That is true as well, yeah. If I had seen it opening weekend, I probably would have been like, what in, like, the piano wire scene, Mm -hmm. where Tony Collette just kind of goes full animal? I watch that now, and I'm kind of like, that's awesome. Like, the fact that someone has the balls to do that in, in, like, Hollywood nowadays is impressive.
0: I see that with the the Charlie scene of the head being chopped off, or... Knocked yeah,
3: off. Yeah, Ari Aster was like, "Yeah, screw the horror movie rules. We're gonna kill a kid."
0: Yeah, Ari Aster is, is so great. Like you, you see these things coming a mile away of his movies. Like they're they're very predictable. His he he gets reactions out of shock. Like you you know what's coming. Um, but when, I think the best example of this is Midsummer with the 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 two older couples. They are sacrificing themselves and they jump off the cliff. You know they're about to jump off. You know they're serious. But you don't expect to see their bodies hit the ground. You don't expect the camera to sit there for you to watch it. Same thing of, like, Charlie. You know, I could imagine a quick cut to uh, Alex Wolf sitting in the car. You hear the sound. You see a shot of the head on the ground. But you, you don't expect to see it get knocked off. That's something I applaud my fucking day for. Or the um, next what? day in absolute
1: broad daylight. Mm-hmm. Ants yeah, an ant's crawling in it. Yeah, and then the, uh what is it? The, she's sawing her head off, is that it? Yeah. At the end, that's yeah. just holding there while she's just, you know, viciously it's going not- back and forth.
0: And even when it's the not camera's not on her still, you still hear it.
3: Yeah, yeah. And you see it's it tripping. Not- it's mm-hmm. not a jump scare either, which is uncommon in horror nowadays. Ari Aster just gets... Scares and cringes out of and looks disgusted just from like you know actually seeing what's going on and it's somehow worse than if it wasn't on there, which is kind of a, a nice turn on instead from the usual camera trick of panning away and letting your mind do the imagination know what's on the screen is way worse than what you could think of.
0: Yeah, yeah, man, it, it's insane how he's able to pull this off. Um, and
2: like the, the jump scare thing that you were saying, like, it, like I remember when I first saw it, it's like there are things. That are in camera happening that you don't even pick up on until the second or third watch. Like she's up in the corner and you're like yep. fuck, there that's that's insane. And then like or, or like the various cult members will be like in the house like looking around at them and it's like that's that's terrifying. Like that's been there I, that whole time. That's that's like effective.
3: Wait, wait, when are the cult members in the house just watching? Is that like when uh the psychiatrist gets lit on fire?
2: I think like more yeah. so, not necessarily like it's like hidden, but it's like in the darkness you can't really like you can't like very, you can't you don't know what you're looking at, at at first, and then like when you when your brain connects it, like it's not like hidden off in the background, like it's more like you know the shots of the people that are standing there naked, and what? then like going back and watching it again and seeing like the the woman waving to Charlie at school as she cuts the pigeon's hair off, and then the guy at the funeral like looking at her smiling. It's like these are the naked people at the end, and that's so
4: horrible. oh
2: yeah, yeah, it's fucked
3: up. Do you didn't know noticed,
0: that? I didn't notice upon my rewatch, no.
3: Yeah. I remember yeah. noticing the shot that um Jake is talking about mm-hmm. um of Alex Wolf. He's just chilling on his bed. He feels like crap. And then you look up and I think it's the upper left hand corner, and you see something on the wall, and you're like, What is that? What is that? What oh crap, it's telling me collect going full animal. Jeez. It's terrifying. It, it's it's not it's deranged. That's the best way I can put this movie. It is deranged, mm-hmm. but also beautiful. <laughs> like, the shot of Gabriel Byrne getting lit on fire, as much as I hate to see him get killed off, because he's just, you know, he's what just that? trying to keep his family together through a terrible time. <laughs> and then he's the one who's getting kicked in the balls at the end, basically. He pulled the short straw. I mean, he got... They, to quote Nicolas Cage, maybe, they lit him on fire! Yeah, <laughs> and you don't, and it's not like you know. You just he gets lit on fire, and then you hear him screaming. No, you see him like get fully lit on fire. Hmm. Although Ari Aster is a genius, man,
0: he is. Man, this movie's fucking I'll, off the wall. I want to point to something real quick. His
1: directing skills are impeccable, in my opinion. I think they're vastly superior than anyone who has come out of uh, like this new horror. Director uh, group, I, like I think he beats John Peele out of the water completely. Do you think he
4: beats?
3: Do you think he beats Robert Eggers
1: though? Yes, one thousand oh, percent, dude. Yeah, I think okay. Ari Aster mm-hmm. is on a directing level closer to Scorsese than anyone else.
3: Okay, Quick question. I, I though. are you guys not yeah. fans of Eggers' work so far? I like the. No, White I love this. Um, okay,
0: which I think Robert Eggers is a great writer. Um. Which is the best example? You know, like older English. It's it's hard to translate that from paper to screen because you're hearing it and it sounds a bit fucked up. Um, It really took me out of the witch completely. Well,
3: the Northman is supposedly in regular people English, so I mean, I'd expect a little bit of probably Icelandic, Mm. given that given who he wrote this with, but. The Northman will probably be more normal English than his past two films.
1: No, he's a good director. I'm just saying, like, the cinematography, the framing, the blocking, his camera angles, his camera movements, how he pans. I think all of that that Ari Aster does is just second to none to anyone Mm -hmm. else who's, you know. I'd have
3: to agree with you on
1: that. So... I
0: think we can all agree this movie's fucking great. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah, the score. The score's fantastic. I watched an interview about that, and he said the score is, like, he put doctors or something on, or, like, sound specialists on set, so that last score that we hear when, you know, everything's coming to its full crescendo with that treehouse in space, you know, in hell, basically, mm -hmm. he said, like, he matched chords to where, like, you feel it in your gut. Like, it's not just, like, a chord to be a chord, like he wants, like, it's like emotionally you will get a reaction from the chord that's, the chords that are playing at that time and the pitch that it's at. And I
3: thought that was just, you know, that's just the beauty. yeah, that's the beauty of Colin Stetson, man. He is, he is a fantastic composer and I'm hoping because I don't think the guy who did the score on Midsommar is returning for Ari Aster's newest film. I'm hoping that Stetson does return for Disappointing the Boulevard.
0: That'd be pretty nice. I didn't know but that was pretty I, awesome though.
3: But the guy who did the sword for *Midsummer* knocked it out of the park, but we're gonna talk I'm gonna rant about that in a minute.
0: Okay, okay. Do you guys want to get into ratings for hereditary?
3: I mean I think I know what you, all three of your guys are.
0: Yeah, for me it's a course. I mean you know, this movie's fucking great. Um yeah, what well you guys kinda wrap it up pretty good. <laughs> I don't have a single issue with this movie. It, it blows expectations away. Um Jake, what about you?
2: Yeah, Coruscant. It's, it's like one of the best modern horror movies. Um, it sticks with you. It's everything pays off. And everything's set up so beautifully from the beginning. And it pays off by the end. And that's why people have come to love it so much as they do. Because it's it's one of those movies, you know, where it's like, you gotta let it, like, sit with you and live with you for a bit. Because over time, you're just gonna fall in love with it. Like, there's no other reaction. Now, my mom loves it. So, mm. that's... that's uh. That's high praise because she saw it, walked out, now she is like, oh, I liked hereditary. And I'm like, you
0: didn't at first though. <laughs> what about you, Alex?
3: Um, I feel like I'm the only one here who's not giving it a Coruscant. I'm oh. giving it a best one on the way to Coruscant. And I will go ahead okay, and Okay, you real quick.
0: fucking prick. You had to be a little bit different, huh?
3: No, I do have this movie was still overhyped for me. I rewatched it before this episode. And I was like, all right, this is good. I appreciate the derangedness of it. But then I like that it starts off Aster's journey as a filmmaker with this. This is where he kicks it off at. But then he goes even better. He gets even better with Midsommar. Mm -hmm. But the film as a whole, I feel like it just, there's some stuff where I'm just kind of like, I don't know, it's just, I don't feel that it's a, I'd like to reserve Coruscant's for, like, movies that affect me emotionally, and this did not. Okay, end, that's fair. Like, that was dope. I mean, I did not need the the weird, naked people shot at the very end, but, you know, hey, no yeah, payment. Did. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't.
0: Yeah, you did. Danilo, what's your rating for, for Hereditary?
3: Of course man. I
1: fell in love with him as a filmmaker ever since I watched this film. I went back and watched his student films, listened to all his interviews...
0: You were yeah, telling me uh, about that, yeah. Um, watching his shorts, you talked about that in the yeah. podcast pretty early on. I think you reviewed one of them that you recently watched. I think back when we were doing the recent view segment. Yeah,
1: I did. I did. It was uh, that Munchausen one, the silent mm-hmm. film one, the 16 minute silent film one that you did uh, with the IFC. I think. Um, yeah, no, that was that was insane. He, that's when you see him hone his skills. He has only gotten better since then.
0: Mm. Ah, we talked about that a year ago probably, dude.
1: Yeah, probably. That's
0: Fucking crazy, crazy. <laughs> I
1: watched it. I watched it in January, dude. In like January or February. I remember there was snow on the ground when I watched it. Wow.
0: What's up, Alex? Uh I'm bound to peer
3: pressure. I'm changing
0: it's a on Okay, yeah, that's you what got... I thought, buddy. That's what I thought.
3: Yeah, about. dude. Yeah. Look, it's pure yeah. guy I'm an
1: indie was... film guy, Corsant on, on its way to, you know.
3: That's yeah, the on its way to Coruscant first of all no I'll change it to Coruscant because I'm you know what watch the scene where Alex Wolf breaks his nose That's, oh the crunch yeah. dude you what? hear yeah, that sound design on there as soon as I said best of way to Coruscant I thought of that scene I was like dang it alright fine on. I'll rewatch it after this after we finish recording here
4: yeah, that on scene.
3: eating dinner oof I'm going to skip directly to that crunch scene while I'm eating my dinner.
0: <laughs> you're a monster. Danilo, go ahead and give us uh, the recap up for Ari Aster's next film, Midsummer. This one I did get to see in theaters, so I'm happy to talk Are about Are we doing the
3: director's cut or the theatrical cut?
0: So, we're going to... Who's seen the director's cut? Okay, I'm the only one who hasn't seen it. sick for the sick.
3: Max is fired.
0: Wow, dude. Wow. Th- anyway, this th- is the- just... hold on hold on. This is the first time I didn't get a chance to watch something for the podcast. I think I knew pretty and fucking
1: I did. good, and I did.
0: Yeah, the regular you, version.
1: Did it come to your theater? Because I saw mine in a theater when I came.
0: The director's cut. It yeah, did. yeah, okay. yeah.
1: I saw it the the yeah.
0: I had to get the Blu-ray. I
1: have it. I have it over there. Oh, uh, The A20, yeah, yeah.
0: I saw this originally in theaters and it was a weird showing. Whoa, whoa, like, whoa,
1: whoa, hey, 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 man. We're not talking about first watch experiences.
0: Let me finish talking. Jeez. It was a really weird showing. It didn't go to the normal AMC. Um, like, no one went to it at the other AMC at the market fair. Um, when the director's cut came out, it was pretty limited. Um, I remember my friend Colin who didn't get to see the original release because it got pulled earlier in our city. He went to go see this and then I was like, okay, well I'll go see Midsummer second time since the director cut. By the time i went to go buy tickets, it was already out of theaters. Um, so I unfortunately never got to see it. Um, I do own it though. And I was waiting for an excuse to finally sit down and watch <laughs> it. I just got busy this week, man. Just got busy. No, we- I, I get it, buddy.
3: I get Look, it. Look, okay, as someone who's seen directors and theatrical cut, I think you can smartly talk about the the film as a whole. I mean, you're basically missing Jack Rayner's penis, and that's it.
0: <sighs> darn.
3: I'm killing myself. Anyway, though,
1: so we start off with uh, Danny having a, or who do, I don't even know how this movie starts. All I know is we start with the uh, these this family and we're going through the house and we you know we're following this tube and we're like what the hell's happening here you know and I'm like oh oh I do know what's happening here suicide and then uh the family's just casually mom and dad are just sleeping but uh the girl just stubbed the fucking tube down her throat and you know died of what is it carbon monoxide not yeah. dioxide yeah carbon monoxide poison basically Danny deals with I don't really know like, just trauma in general, bipolar disorder, she has to take meds, uh, she's with her boyfriend known as Jack, uh, Rainer, don't even know what the fuck his real name is, uh, his actor name, but whatever, they're kind of in just not a too healthy good of a relationship, anyway, though, Jack's saying, like, yo, I'm going to Sweden, and Florence is like, oh, you didn't invite me, you know, and the old, oh, no, what's happening here with our relationship, then Jack's like, oh, fuck, I guess I gotta invite you. So they all go to Sweden. Him and his two, uh, three boys, right? Two or three. Is it two or three boys? Two. two his two. two boys. He goes to Sweden okay. and they're meeting Pele's family who's just part of this weird family thing. Anyway, though, while they're there, uh, Danny and um, Jack Reiner's relationship gets much more just toxic. Uh, Danny now is watching these weird rituals that this little camp's doing and it's just escalating and escalating escalating just weird things you know they're eating dinner next thing you know two old people are jumping off from the top of like 100 feet so you're like wow that escalated quite fast danny and jack are just still going at it just fighting and fighting you know he forgot his birthday bruh how do you forget your girlfriend's birthday Uh, i when you know it the day before that it's your girlfriend's birthday tomorrow who knows, man, but we've all been there. We, we all have, you know, let's not lie. Anyway, though, we keep going on, and Jack and Danny are just continuously just fighting and fighting and fighting. We see this other couple. Um, I don't know what their names are. We're just going to call them John and Susie. John and Susie want to leave this place. John and Susie have no desire to be here anymore. However, John, like, leaves and never comes back, but then we see him, and, oh, what happens? He gets, like, Viking tortured. Real rough, man. Real fucking rough. While this is going on, though, Jack Rayner's character has to finish a thesis. So he's cheating off his African-American friend. I don't know the guy's name. We're just going to call
3: him... William Jackson Harper.
1: Jackson. We're just going to call him Jackson. He's cheating off of Jackson, doing the theory, doing the thesis on the little communal town here. And that really pisses him off. So Jack goes into the this, like, building where all the documents are for this... Uh, little cult. I'm just going to call it that cuz we all know that's what it is at mm. this point in the film. And he gets skinned alive. Um Oh no, he gets buried. Doesn't he get buried? And the other and the jokester guy gets skinned alive? Yeah, that's it. Both of them just die in a sufferable death. We keep going on. Danny becomes May Queen Jack has sex and fulfills the prophecy. Danny is is now the May Queen and she's like, "You know what? I'm a badass bitch." So she's like, hey, Jack, you didn't lick my clit? See ya! And what does he she do? She lights his ass on fire. And she finally it's... just breaks away from just a toxic relationship and calls it a day. And Pele's like, yes, I tricked this girl. I love her. And that's how the film ends, where Danny's just part of this Swedish little cult.
3: That's yeah, canon, uh, by the way, right? That she killed him because he didn't lick her clit?
1: No, I think it was just
3: because the relationship was absolutely atrocious. We'll go with you. the other reason because that's more fun. Funnier.
0: Darn. Um, what's the difference with the director's cut to
1: There's There's a few differences. Um, there's one scene where they're drowning a child, or almost about to drown a child. If I remember correctly, there's another scene when they're going to the camp while they're driving. There's a book that's shown, and I forget what's on the title of that book.
4: So mm-hmm. it relates, yeah.
1: yeah. It relates to the story more in its uh, entirety. Uh, those were the two big ones, really. I mean, there's not really much else that you see. Isn't it like short- an extra
0: half-hour footage?
1: Yeah. Half there hour is, footage. But that argument takes up a lot. Because it's the argument of them drowning, and then it's another argument of them fighting even more about it. Saying how they want to break up, but they want to try and make it work. The casual, you know, I hate you, we're breaking up. No, please, honey, I love you, stop, please. And then he's like, okay, I'm sorry, my bad. Okay, kind
0: of more what we saw in Danny's apartment before they leave for trip.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there's one thing I want to point out about the director's cut is, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone has their theories about this film. In my opinion, the director's cut favors to the fact that Pele is trying to get in Danny's pants, not that Danny's trying to join and become part of a family in the original cut. In the director's Mm. cut, I feel like it's much more apparent that Pele wants to be in Danny's pants. Okay. Where in the original one, it's like, you can think that, but it's also Danny hates her life right now and she wants a family. And Mm -hmm. this is the people who are treating her like a family. I don't know if I'm. There is more stuff to it. I just can't remember it. Jake, what do you remember?
2: So I just watched the director's cut today for the first time. Okay. It's it's like th- yeah, it's three hours as opposed to the theatrical two and a half uh, okay. or two fifty or something like that. Um, and yeah, it's more or less just extended scenes of the stuff that you've already seen. But mm-hmm. there is that whole sequence that other like ritual where the kid's about to like sacrifice himself to drown. In a, in a lake or something, as like an offering. Um, and then there is like an extended argument following that, which I actually thought added a lot. And um, there's, you know, they're arguing. And, and then I also found that there were a lot of scenes where like there's like an extended. Um, I actually found it very funny um, because just because Mark is so out of place in this movie and he's like not really like the scene where he pees on like the ancestral tree. Um, yeah yeah that's that, it that goes on and it's so yeah. funny it's just like this awkward silence where he's like the guy's just crying in the back and he's like should sh- 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 i go apologize and then there's like an extended bit where danny comes back and apologizes for the fight um so it's all these little like extended beats that get um cut down in the theatrical cut i also thought in the director's cut it's more believable that uh christian would be uh stealing uh mark uh josh's thesis because there's a point in the movie where he like is kind of like yeah i'm also gonna do my thesis here and in the theatrical cut it's like oh christian's just a dick and he just makes up his mind last minute about this shit because josh is doing it but in the director's cut there is more like there's more of that like discovery that you see in christian where he's like kind of looking at the at the at the call and he's like well, looking at everybody he's like i'm very interested in this community and you could see that more um and there are like beats where he's like kind of asking questions um to uh, pele about the community and it's more believable for me so i that really helped me a lot with this where it's like a lot of this stuff is just like elaborated on and expanded upon and it just makes the viewing uh a little better not much like it doesn't add like a ton but mm-hmm. the point is still there um but it just makes some of the things that were a little bit maybe like left up to the imagination in the theatrical cut it just spells it out more and makes you like understand it a bit better
0: Okay, so overall, like as far as <clears throat> footage and content wise, to the overall film, the director's cut is is a worthy watch. It's beefed up; it adds value to it. Okay, because I think we had a discussion before, Daniel, with either Blade Runner or Apocalypse Now, that some director's cuts are just, you know, either pointless or devalue some of the movie. Yeah, so
1: th- uh, for Apocalypse Now, there's like you know what three cuts, and I think only two of them really are. You know, watch watchworthy where one doesn't. Need mm-hmm. to but this, I feel like, no. If you want the most out of this movie, yeah, for sure, watch the director's cut. Okay, just see how your opinions differ from the fir- the direct, the original theatrical cut, and then the director's cut. If opinions change on how you feel this cult was and how you feel Danny's acting towards it.
0: Okay, what are we talking, looking at physically um, for this this four K? There's a foreword included, isn't there?
1: Yeah, by Martin Scorsese, the man himself.
0: Yeah, yeah, tell me about that, because I don't have my copy with me currently. It's downstairs.
1: I mean, it's nice. He says that he's a great filmmaker. Um, let's see. Uh... uh he knew that the film was going to be a horror film. Uh, he says you need to discover it for yourself. Uh, it sounds like it was made more of an ambitious scale, like his horror blockbuster, so to speak,
4: mm-hmm.
1: uh, production-wise, obviously. Uh, we're diving into something more un and unspeakable, and the violence is as emotional as it is physical, which we kind of just talked about with the last one. Um, it affected Martin Scorsese in different ways. Uh, and he's saying that the themes emerge organically in this one. A lot of things just emerge organically and he likes that it, uh, he likes that things are just, he, like, Ari is just starting out and he already has this knowledge with them. Hmm. But yeah, that's about it.
0: That's a nice 4K set, man. I'm glad, uh, 824, you know. Shoveled out the extra change to put out something worth, worthwhile for collectors. Um, overall, dude, I fucking love Midsummer. Uh, great theater experience. This is one of the few times. I think I saw a movie with friends, like of a group of people, where all of us were in awe of what we saw. We, we stayed for the entire credits, just kind of in silence, trying to taking it all in. Um, like I mentioned of Hereditary, and I was discussing. The, the sacrifice scene a bit. Ari Aster has his way with, with gore. There's just not a lot of it in his films. There's just, just enough. And it's the qua- It's very quality over quantity. We're not seeing it throughout the entire movie. But when you see it, you're going to have your jaw on the fucking floor. Throughout this thing. Seeing one of the friends skinned alive. Seeing the other one buried. Um, seeing the two sacrifices go on. And then the overall ending with the fire as well—it it, it's fucking insane. Like I said, you know what's going to happen, but it's mind blowing that you get to see it happen on screen. Um, it's also an incredibly gorgeous movie. Cinematography is excellent throughout this whole thing. The environment's interesting. If I had to compare the two, I'd like *Midsummer* more, honestly. Um, and not discrediting *Hereditary* whatsoever. I think that's great in its own box. But the whole the the foreign aspect of midsummer is is so interesting to me. I would have never in a million years thought about oh let's make me about a Swedish cult mixed with relation like serious relationship issues and trauma thrown in. It's a combination of of things that shouldn't clash that things that don't clash well together, frankly, but it tells a cohesive and a wonderful disaster of a story um. What, what are some of your thoughts on this one, Alex?
3: I love this movie. <laughs> this um, is one of my favorite horror movies of the past, of probably this century so far. Mm-hmm. It's a great meditation on toxic relationships, and it's a great breakup movie, honestly. When, when my last relationship ended, this is the movie that I watched, and I watched it at the very end. I was like, you know what? It's going to be all right.
0: That's a red flag.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's a major okay, right, red flag. Let, let me explain. Alright, let me explain. The fact that not the way that Danny escaped, but the fact that she did escape a bad relationship. I was getting out of a bad relationship. I did not go and do the things that Danny did. But the fact that, you know, you can see on in a movie someone getting out of a toxic relationship. Yes, it's in a weird and messed up way. But the fact of She's out of this bad relationship and she's happy about it. Oftentimes when a relationship ends toxic or not. You feel like you kind of feel you might feel sadness or something like that, but no, she feels joy to be out of this relationship, be free of someone who was essentially a parasite to her. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of way that I felt happy, not the putting the person in the bear suit and burn it. No, that's not what I'm saying. I didn't do that. Yeah,
0: Alex, curious. dude. After my breakup, I watched Toy Story 2. What? <laughs> after,
1: after my... That movie... What did I watch? I think I watched
3: Star Wars Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> okay, can you at least see where I'm coming from on this?
0: No, a week later, I watched Cars. you to be in the right
1: yeah, I, watched Ratatou-
3: I watched Ratatouille High. <laughs> okay, I was happy to be out of mind. So Mitsumar was... That movie is secretly like the Swedes called this movie a black comedy. Like they thought this was a funny movie to them. Like people in Sweden who this movie is based on, they thought oh, this movie okay, was Alex, a comedy. Alex,
0: Alex, we're taking you a therapist. we
3: <laughs> okay. Can I can I finish my thinking? Yeah, you
0: make it too. I was just making that note. We're, we're we're picking you up after this recording
3: guys i'm sorry i think this is my last appearance on galaxy film um <laughs> the score is also great we talked about the score with hereditary but this score is fantastic um the track fire temple i literally got to write a paper on for college and probably my favorite paper i've ever written it's great and i'm mm-hmm. gonna shut up now before max kicks me off the podcast
0: <laughs> jake what are some of your thoughts on this thing
2: um i really love it uh i'm still kind of digesting the director's cut because i did just Mm -hmm. basically like like an hour before recording finish that but i remember like seeing this in theaters you know opening day it was like july 4th weekend which is fantastic um uh went to go see it really liked it didn't love it as much as like hereditary though i don't know why i just like i think hereditary was like kind of packaged better like in my opinion where it's like it just sort of like everything paid off really well whereas midsummer i still like kind of had some questions and not in the way that i had questions after hereditary mm-hmm. it was more of like you know i would i would i would rewatch midsummer and keep rewatching and keep rewatching it and still come away with the same questions um i don't i don't know if everything kind of paid off the way as as satisfactorily as hereditary did that being said it is really like an ambitious like big like a big step up for ari aster in just a year um and that's like pretty impressive uh i thought like you know the ambition the scope uh performances uh, i love like the the inclusion of humor with mm-hmm. the mark with will poulter he's fantastic in this movie um he's really funny he made me laugh like i, I was like shocked at how like in the first like 45 minutes or whatever it was when i saw this in theaters i'm like i'm laughing a lot like this is fucked up but why am i laughing so much um and uh it made me feel uneasy because i'm like i feel like i shouldn't be laughing this much in an r.i aster movie and i feel like i'm gonna regret laughing in a, about an hour and of course i did but uh, <laughs> but you know uh i, I think it, i think it uh I've, I've been hearing that the new his disappointment boulevard is like more of a comedy which i'm really excited to see mm-hmm. um, it's like a black comedy uh so i'm really excited to see that as well but this one i don't know i think maybe the director's cut like made me appreciate it a lot more just because like i didn't think this while watching it but coming away from it now i'm sort of like the theatrical cut does sometimes feel a little bit like i want to say like undercooked maybe maybe that's what it was where it's just like some of the things aren't Totally like well established like they were with Hereditary. I don't know, I don't know what it was, but but I did really like it. And I, I love the whole like this is just a toxic relationship, this is a breakup movie. I love all that stuff, and I got all that stuff. Um but for whatever reason, upon first watch, I was not as in love with it as I was with Hereditary. Uh but that being said, I have like come to love it, and uh while I still don't like it as much as Hereditary. I do think it's a fantastic uh, horror movie, and it's like it's entirely in day, which is so great. Like that's I love that like kind of tagline with this movie, where it's like, yeah, it's a horror movie, and it's gonna scare you, and it's entirely set in the daytime. I think that's great.
0: You're right on that. You know, I don't. I know they even address it in one scene in the movie, but I always forget that that's whole things during the day. Um, Danilo, what are some of your What's your comparison? Do you prefer Midsummer or Hereditary?
1: I hate to say it, and this will be the red flag of the podcast. This movie's more fun than heredit than Hereditary. For sure. There's just a lot more going on in it. Um, I feel like it's much more faster pace. I think that's it. Ultimately, it's just much more faster pace where something's happening every. Ten minutes, almost. It's either a fight, someone's getting killed, someone's just alluding to something that's really weird. Someone puts their pubic hair in someone's uh, drink, but it's just. It, I love this movie when I first watched it. I fell in love with Ari Aster, with Hereditary. He became one of my favorite filmmakers when Midsummer came out. I was in a sold out theater. It was a great experience. A lot of laughter during all the death scenes, just because people don't know how to process that, and that's always the first emotion that comes to it. But no, I love this film uh danny to me was a very interesting character i never thought of her as someone who wanted to hurt anyone i think she was just looking for family and i think that's ultimately what this was about she didn't have a family to call her own um and she found it at the end you know she found it when all of her quote-unquote sisters were moaning with her when they were all crying with her mm-hmm. and i think that you know was very interesting like yes there's this relationship of you're in a bad relationship but you can only be in a bad relationship if you're not stable to begin with and since your family wasn't stable to begin with you know you're always desiring to have this family aspect of just at least one person who will always have your back no matter what and i think it's not touched on a lot but it is we see the dad in the trees we see the sister in the uh the the sister in the, in the bush the sister in that like outhouse thing the parents when she's may queen you know, it's it, it's family. It's rooted with family is a main problem. And if you don't have a good relationship with family, whatever family member that may be, your relationships moving forward won't be good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very in, I think that's very interesting. I love it how it's during the day. I think the directing is just second to none. I don't know what score is better, the opening one or the end. Uh, I love how this is almost a fairy tale. Uh, that's how he described it. It's basically a horror fairy tale. And we see the entire movie in the first 10 seconds. You do, yeah. So, yeah, very interesting.
0: What would you rate this one, Danilo? Of
1: course not, man. And I was pushing for Hereditary. I mean, for uh, Tony Klett to get an Oscar, I was much more pushing for this movie to get a lot more Oscars. With sound, production, with the set and everything, uh, with acting 100%. I think this is when Florence Pugh became, you know, the actor for me. But, yeah, mm. it, it's a straight Coruscant.
0: I agree on that. It's also a Coruscant for me as well. This put me on the Florence Pugh. Her performance is absolutely fantastic in this. Um, like you said, directing second and on. I like the opening score better, I think, especially where it goes with the, the reveal of the, the murder-suicide. Jaw was on the fucking floor at that point. Um, I knew it was going into a horror film, but... Once I see that C, it's like buckle up. You're ready for a fucking an experience, not just your a slasher film. It's not a trashy Blumhouse. Um, this this is no. an experience. Yeah, yeah. But how about you, Alex? How does this compare for Hereditary, and what do you rate Midsummer?
3: This is worlds better than Hereditary for me. Okay. And I stand by what I've said about this film. It is the perfect breakup film. And. <laughs> It's a Coruscant, man. the The closing piece that uh, Bobby Krillick did for this was brilliant. Okay.
0: Okay. Jake, what's your rating and final thoughts on Midsummer?
2: I will also give it a Coruscant, a lighter Coruscant than than Hereditary for me. But I I, I do appreciate like that he went bigger, like he, mm-hmm. you know, it's a step up from Hereditary, and and it's more ambitious, and there's a lot more going on in it, um, and he stuck the landing. Like that's great, and he's gonna stick around, and I can't wait to see his third outing.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to see Disappointment Boulevard. We've talked about uh, we've talked a little bit about that on the show the past year with it, some of the behind the scenes photos of uh, Joaquin Phoenix and whatnot. But I'm I didn't even know this was a year apart, dude. Like I said, I thought hereditary was 2016 for some reason. So now that you guys brought that detail up to me, I mean, this is even more impressive of a feat, in my opinion. Um, but yeah midst. for that kind of wraps it up for those guys, I'm pretty sure. Um, Daniil, do you have anything else you want to you wanna cover this episode? I think we pretty much got everything nailed down. Just leave us a Spotify review, because they're doing that now. Yeah, go ahead. And if you also enjoy the show, leave us an iTunes review. Those help out much more than you can imagine, I promise you. I know I said every week, but like I'm, I'm serious. Whenever someone drops one on iTunes, even if it's on Mart... We see results from it. I get a chub. Yeah. Little Caesars. We're still waiting for that sponsorship. I got your Batman yeah, pizza.
1: Yeah, 100% Little Caesars. Like I said, I've gotten your pizza now every Thursday for the past 104 weeks, so. I've been
0: Anytime. making every Friday thing lately. Every
1: Thursday for me, man. Every Thursday.
0: I need, maybe I need new Thursdays, man. My Little Caesars just isn't that great. They don't have hot and redies. Dude. Oh, mobile app, buddy. I did a mobile app. I waited an hour for pickup.
1: Okay, dude. That just means your little Caesar's bussin'.
0: This what I'm saying, man. It's weird. Um, but yeah, check those out. We have an LFG next week. We're planning on covering the... Uh, part one, because it's an act. It's a three-part trilogy of the Kanye documentary. We got some stuff planned for that. And then the following week, we have an LFG for The Book of Boba Fett. Very special guest stars coming on for that one. Um, next Monday we have part two of the New York vlog series. We got some good shit coming out, you know. Good shit. Thanks for the input, Danilo. Oh
1: man, I'm just excited to see it. Gene, yes.
0: There you go, buddy.
1: Sick original name, Netflix.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Alex, I appreciate you coming on this week, man. Discuss these two films. Where can our listeners find you if they don't follow you already?
3: Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at awreams That's R.E.A.M.S. You can find me at Letterboxd at Cinephile Opinions. And uh, keep looking out for my awards coverage. It's uh, slowly coming out more and more with uh, guilds and Oscar nominations, man.
0: Awesome, man. Jake, where can our listeners find you? I also appreciate you coming on to talk to these two films. We've talked about doing this one for a while now with you, actually. Like, I, yeah, I think I, since I, Green Knight.
2: Probably, yeah. Like to, with the, yeah, with Dunk Gems and everything else. Yeah. A24 is the jam. Um, <laughs> you guys can find me on Instagram at Jakey Lemon uh, or on Instagram at Mayhem.pictures or on YouTube, uh, Mayhem Pictures.
0: Awesome, man. Like I say, guys, stay tuned. We got some regular content coming out in the next couple weeks for you guys, consistent stuff for you all. Um, yeah. Also, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy of Film. Thanks so much for sticking around, guys, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Playboy Cardi once said he was Batman.